The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. What's the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, the professor, a.k.a. Tony Dunn. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast, brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. Every Tuesday night, chopping up the latest Panthers news and opinions. Tonight's show... Carolina subs a dub for a dub, and the flailing Falcons could make it a streak. That's right. The Panthers have pulled off their second win in a row, and the Falcons have fallen to 0-4. We've got a great show tonight where we're going to be looking back a little bit at Carolina's success and ahead towards potentially more success, and I'm going to do it with my homeboys tonight. Cody Lashney in the house. Welcome back to the C3 Panthers podcast. Tony Dunn, people thought I was running. I never run, man. I've never been able to run my whole life, so I'm not going to start now. But you know what? Here I am on a Tuesday night with my boys. Nothing else I'd rather be doing than chatting about the Panthers with the most lit Panther fans in all of YouTube, Tony. We got Tim Tizzy, the man that was here, Underground West, Little Country Cannabis, Joe Riolano in the chat, Trill One, C, Blake Bettis, Lynn, Leon Hart, what's up? Haven't seen you in a long time, Lynn. Happy to have you back on the show. Tony, ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's talk Panthers football. Let's roll. The Panthers have done something twice in a week uh, that the Falcons have done four times in a season, and that is win football games. We're going to try to figure out how the Falcons are so <laughs> bad tonight. Special guest coming in at 9.15, Tori. And I'm going to have to apologize ahead of uh, ahead of time. So the name could be Tory McElney. That's how a Southerner would say it. But it could also be Tory McElhaney, like a Irish person would say McElney. it. So we'll be. Mm. I would say McElney. McElney. Yeah. Well. Well, hopefully she can clarify that for us and obviously be forgiving for our country status, especially since she's covering a team that hasn't won anything, and I'm relishing in that fact myself. Uh, so the Panthers, again, pull ahead to 2-2. Two, two and two. Now we're at 500. We're in second place in the division. We want to know about your thoughts about uh, this season, the progress so far, and what the outlook is for the Carolina Panthers. You can be part of the show at by calling into the Cat Calls line. The number is 252-228-5098. CK, my man, Code Dizzle, what's up? How you doing tonight? Man, living the dream. I have a lot of uh, things to talk about. And, um, you know, definitely looking forward to our guest coming on to kind of break down what we think about the uh, Falcons and, and this upcoming matchup. But... All in all, man, it's uh, just good to be here with you guys, and you know we got the full squad here tonight. So let's uh, let's keep that uh, keep that energy up, guys. 
Yeah, I mean, we're rolling right now. The Panthers, again, have won two in a row. And like Robbie Anderson, I feel like the audio might be working in the uh, in the chat room. And I feel like if I was Robbie Anderson, I'd be like, wow. Did you guys see mm-hmm. Robbie Anderson when they were singing Sweet Caroline? He was like, oh, God, get me out of here. <laughs> His head <laughs> is like a deer in headlights. Like, like a deer in headlights. Yeah, exactly. Hey, All you, right. know, you know what song he wouldn't be a deer in headlights to? Raise up. That woman, I'm telling you, we need to we need to get her on the podcast and explain herself because she was being an absolute asshole to you, Tony. Oh, the what's her name for the something quick. She is gosh, what is it? She does she's been around for a while. Anyway, we'll talk about that a little. Greg in the house, Greg, man of many podcasts, the Bat Daddy. Good to have you back on the show. Thanks, man. Sorry, I couldn't be your Sunday. Wife's birthday. Can't take presidents. Jeez. Damn. So, I, mean, I had uh, my there, wife's right? birthday was this weekend. As well. My wife's birthday is uh, October 1st. And we Mine's had a, a yeah. party here on Saturday night, which made the post game long and uh, yuck. <laughs> I, I was struggling well, to find some excitement. But welcome back. All right, guys. Uh, we want to go ahead and encourage you to smash the thumbs up button if you're watching on youtube be a part of the show by being involved in the chat we got the most lit chat room like cody said and also you can call into the show 252-228-5098 the panthers pull out their second win i've said it like nine times it feels so good to say it i gotta say that it feels good to say they got wins panthers win 31 to 21 and a really balanced game, top to bottom. G. Cavassier called in over the post game. I like that description right there. The Panthers, well coached, well executed. The offensive line was great. The defense played better than they did last week. Cody, this team has become something to cheer for. Yeah, run the street. Run a streak, two in a row. No, we need one more. It's not a streak till we get to three. Says who? When, who Me. Made I think a streak is two is like kind of rolling a little bit. Three's a streak. I mean, yeah. Listen, listen. I think that we have we've hit the the two games where we needed to have a get right game to save our season. And if we weren't gonna, if we weren't gonna beat the Chargers or the Cardinals, then it was gonna get bad really fast. But to this team's credit, and I give a lot of uh, credit to the coaching staff on this, and we'll break down and spotlight some of the players that we uh, felt did really good this Sunday. Um, But I feel like our coaching staff has really gotten the hang of what plays benefit them best on offense and defense. And and they found their rhythm. They found a rhythm that they were close to having in weeks one and two. They almost held on to win those games. Now they've figured it out. Now we're winning those games that, uh, you know, maybe uh, we would have some dumb luck and uh, all of a sudden we're the cardiac cats again and they're coming back and beating us. Um, It seems as though Joe Brady has really figured out how best to get our weapons in space for Teddy Bridgewater to be able to distribute the football. And listen, I said before the season, at best, we're hoping that Teddy Bridgewater is a Jimmy Garoppolo caliber quarterback. And I, and I thought that was a good comparison at the time because it's the highest level of a game manager quarterback that you can have. 
And even though the 49ers didn't win, that is a recipe for winning the Super Bowl and going all the way. Teams have done it before. So right now, Teddy Bridgewater is doing just that. I take nothing away from him. I give him the credit for doing that. Um, I think Joe Brady has this offense humming in a way that we really hoped for prior to the season. Well, you know, the offense wasn't even, it's not even just, it's not really even humming, to be honest. It's just uh, working in different more components and more capacities, right? Is like number one, you continue to run the ball effectively. Number two, you saw Teddy Bridgewater kind of put it together this week. And that was to no turnovers. Well, he had, I think he might have had one turnover, but still, he found the, the difference between this week and last week was we got in the end zone. That's the, yeah. like, that's the big difference. And so well, on the offensive side, yeah. on the defensive side, this team played well, man. You contained a very dynamic uh, passer in Kyler Murray. As well as uh, like you have some weapons now. While Andre uh, DeAndre Hopkins was, you know, dinged up a bit. At the same time, you got Rasul Douglas following him around and limiting him to under sixty yards on the day. Right. Uh, yep. This Panthers team played good on all three sides of the ball: special teams, offense, and defense. And you have to highlight the fact that the offensive line did not give up a sack this week. Very impressive. Yeah. Greg Little, the toast of the town, really. A game trying to change, flip the script, and I think that might be the story of the week. It might be. I mean, I don't even know how to explain it, man, because that's one of those things that as an evaluator, someone that tries to evaluate college talent, it's an anomaly. Like, how did all of a sudden Greg Little – like, literally last week we were criticizing him, and rightfully so, uh, for his performances uh, against the Chargers and the, the, the Cardinals. I mean, even though we uh, had – oh, not, not the Cardinals. Um, no, just the uh, Chargers. It was that one game, and we had these two snaps on film, but he comes out with a week of preparation, and maybe this is – maybe this just tells you this is why you have to play the games. Yeah, right? maybe it's not something. I think it was more preparation that definitely benefited them. But, man, it's like he took an even bigger jump than that. Like, when you look at the two. He got angry out. on the field. Like, you know what I'm saying? He was yeah. trying to push yeah. people around. And and it was an b- important step, I feel like. One that was made me feel good about not like all of a sudden he's just going to take over. But talk about responding, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a it was a great way to res- to respond. The, these past two games have kind of have really shown me the resolve of the football team that they're willing to keep fighting, to keep pounding, to uh, put in the energy. To I mean, not the energy. I mean, of course they have the energy, but they have a game plan that they feel like they're comfortable executing, and they've really been able to do that well. Like I said, I do want to see more aggression. On offense, uh, I want to see more of the deep down the field attacks earlier on in the football game. You can't um, see it because they're not going to happen. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that is that like the the ability to go to be zinging it down the field is limited. You're going to see some play action in this. You're going to see a lot of underneath stuff. The fact that we have a player in Robbie Anderson who is most suited to go deep. 
and he has become a possession receiver in so many ways, I think shows that. But maybe that's just what it is, what it is. I'm going to turn the mic over to CK real quick. A couple of days removed from the post-game show. Thoughts with uh, just a couple of days later. And then we'll play a little audio and get to our guest. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, just going back over what we saw on Sunday, looking at the highlights, looking at what people, you know, in the, in the mainstream media are saying about the Panthers. I, I, I said it Sunday and I will, I will echo that sentiment. I, we've had questions about Matt rule, but I have not lost faith in him this entire time. And I think this past Sunday, me and me and Tony were talking about it. This team does not look like they're too big for the, or too small for the stage that the stage is too big. You know, they, they look like they are, they're showing up and they're fighting and they're fighting not only just to win, they're fighting for each other. And you could sit here and talk about every team is supposed to block for their teammates down the field. But how often have we seen wide receivers just like bump into somebody and then just think that's going to be good enough and not do anything. We saw Curtis Samuel down the field, engaging with two to three different people at one time to try to get just even a matter of two or three different extra yards for Mike Davis or anybody, you know, the, the team is getting better. And when you look at what they're doing and the fact that they are adopting the mentality of a tough ass football team, um, you, you know, I, I, you can't help, but put that on coaching. They are, what have we complained about for the past five years with Ron Rivera and that, and that entire organization, they would not play and give opportunities to people to do something. We have seen nothing but that happen this year. We have all of our rookies starting for the most part. You know, we have Greg Little in there being put in the forefront of people to be able to actually, you know, uh, show what he's got. You know, they're trying to get the hands into the, Ian Thomas's hands. Even if he does drop a ball every now and again, they're trying. They're trying to put these people in a good spot to succeed. And we haven't had that. And what's happening is these guys are getting confident. And you're seeing it with Chen. You're seeing it with some good plays by Pride. And we'll talk about the 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 Herney thing, but you've got to look at this draft and realize we have not only do we have Derek Brown, who is now leading all rookies in tackles for losses, but he's also fourth in the NFL for tackles for losses. You know, he is the highest ranked rookie on PFF, whether that you take that credence for that or not. We have Jeremy Chen, who is leading the team in tackles leading all rookies in tackles. Um, we have Yutur Gross-Matos, who is just getting past. I mean, he is showing a lot of promise there in the defensive pass rush. You know, rush. And then like Pride, he's made some plays. He's not great. He's not sitting there a game changer. But these guys are contributing. And we have not had a draft class do that to this effect in a long time. The team looks prepared. And look at this. We're going we're gonna to be bringing in our guests right now. Um, guys, the team looks prepared is what I would say when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. And while we can discuss kind of the minor aspects about individual decisions, play calling, whatever that we can go down the line with, is the team does look organized and in control, like and knowledgeable about what's going on. And that's impressive. So we're going to bring in also, don't forget, you can call into the C3 Panthers podcast, numbers 252-228-5098. We want you to be part of the show. We've got our 
feature guest for tonight when we're looking ahead to the team. And you're going to have to forgive us on, look, first I'm, I'm from Winterville, and I've been trying to prepare for pr pronouncing your last name, and I don't want to say it like a Southerner, and I don't know if it's Irish. So my initial idea was Tori McElney. McElney. But that doesn't sound right. I feel like it's more Irish than that. Yeah, it's a Tory McElhaney. See? Oh, that's what my buddy was telling me at the bar. All right, uh, let me see. Your audio is way low. Let me see. Hold on. What is going on? I'm going to have to find out. Your audio is a bit low. Oh, okay. Hold on one second. Let me take my headphones out. Can you hear me a little better now? Perfect. Perfect. All right. Okay. All right. So beat writer for the Falcons uh, with the athletic big fan of the athletic a subscriber myself. Um, my question to you tonight is this is how are the Falcons this bad? I hate the Falcons <laughs> more than anything. I do like they're they're my most rivaled team and it's almost to the point. Uh, I feel almost sympathy. It's so bad. How are they this bad? The thing is, it's like they shouldn't be this bad. Like when you have the talent that they have on their team, especially on offense, you would think that they would be able to win games and they wouldn't be at 0-4 to start the season. But here we are. They just can't figure out how to play four quarters of consistent football, and that's really what it comes down to. Cody, go ahead and take the next question. Hi, Tori. So, uh, listen, I'm, I have a lot of friends – who are fans of the Atlanta Falcons from the Atlanta area. And, man, I'll be darned if they aren't already talking about Trevor Lawrence. And <laughs> I, I, I don't want to make this a, a, a discussion about Trevor, but I, I guess to that notion is how many games do you think the Atlanta Falcons are good for winning this year? Like, is there legitimate talks that, you know, after starting 0-4, this team could be picking in the top three or top five? Or is it possible that they could do kind of like they did last year and find a rhythm late or maybe maybe even midseason and then pick up a few good wins down the stretch? What's reasonable for this Falcons team, do you think? I think how I started off the season thinking, I thought that they would probably be close to where they were last year. So seven and nine was where I thought that they would get. And there were some people that are like, oh, no, they'll get over 500. No big deal. Like you, that, that was a pretty low uh, prediction. Now looking at where they are now with this 0-4 start, I'm like, well, it's not that far off. Um, but I do think that they will eventually go on a run. Will it be in the next like five games? I'm not sure. I do think that it's probable that they could kind of turn it on and turn a corner here, especially knowing that they're essentially playing for Dan Quinn's job security. And so, I mean, when you look at it like that, you would think that they would be able to turn it on a little bit going into this next section of games. And there are some winnable games in their next five-game slot until the bye week. So we'll see. I still kind of stick with that seven and nine uh, prediction. But, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've seen nothing so far this year that really gives me a lot of confidence in them right now. So we'll see how it goes. Well, to that notion uh, about Dan, uh, do you feel at any point, because, again, we're having a similar conversation from last year to this year, do you feel or is there any indication that Dan Quinn – 
has lost this locker room that maybe they don't believe in his vision for the football team and they're underperforming because of it? I don't know if it's reached the locker room. I, I think it's very much a situation where the fan base is, is tired of it. The fan base is done. I've said this multiple times, but I'll say it again. It's like the 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 Falcons Twitter is a very, very dark corner of Twitter right now. So <laughs> it, it's not a good place to be, especially if you're a Dan Quinn, because I know that after they lost to Dallas, there were – a few fire Dan Quinn petitions that were going around on change.org. So that was, I mean, it's a rough place to be if you're the head coach of an 0 and 4 team that also did something similar to this last year where they didn't start out well at all. Uh, so I don't know if Dan Quinn has lost the locker room. Every conversation that I've had with players, they kind of point the finger at themselves and they're like, we need to perform better for him. And it's, it's a situation where they take a lot of responsibility for how this season has gone thus far. So I wouldn't say that he's lost the locker room. Honestly, I think there's just a lot of like pointing fingers individually at the players themselves. I think I was reading in your story on the athletic. Um, you mentioned the players pointing the finger fingers at themselves. One of my favorite players, Todd Gurley. He's from North mm. Carolina, Bailey North. Well, not Bailey. Yeah, like Tarboro area. It's about twenty minutes from where I live at. So we've always been cheering for him. He said that at the end of the day, or I felt like he was saying, this comes to us performing on the field. Why are they not performing? Where is the real weakness? I know there's been so many injuries in the, on that defense in the secondary, but now the offense doesn't be seem to be clicking. And why can't you guys do my man Ty Gurley a solid and get him involved in the game? It's a great question. And I think that's something that the Falcons themselves are trying to figure out. I mean, I, I feel like if I had the answer to that, I could be their offensive coordinator, but I don't. And <laughs> I don't think, I, you know, sometimes I don't know if Dirk Cutter even knows what he really wants to do with, with this <laughs> offense. Um, so especially when you look at the way that the offense is so hot and cold sometimes. They literally will, will go and have a great quarter, and then they won't even move the ball for the next quarter. It's a very frustrating thing to see from this offense that has, like I was saying before, so many different weapons at its disposal. And it, it just it's very frustrating to see that they can't do what they're paying all of these offensive players to do, which is score touchdowns. It's really the Falcons issue is really not that complicated. Their defense is allowing too many touchdowns. Their offense isn't scoring in the red zone. I mean, it's very, very simple concepts that we're talking about here that the Falcons aren't doing right now. Well, good news is this, or the world is getting back to normal, maybe because Julio is not getting touchdowns again. It's the the law of the universe. He's always put up a billion yards, but he hasn't gotten touchdowns. Now he's not even putting up yards because he's dealing with injuries. Could you tell us a little bit about Julio's injury with the hamstring comes out after the first half of the game? Uh, Calvin Ridley doesn't get any catches. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that has to do with injury, but can you just tell us about the injury status for Julio A and B, the rest of the team, as the Panthers prepare for them? So starting with Julio, he'll be somebody to watch as this week goes on. Um, just from the way that Dan Quinn was talking today when we were chatting with him earlier, 
it, it kind of seems like they're just going to take it into the week and just kind of – I would imagine that Julio will probably be a game-time decision on Sunday the same way he's been the last two weeks because, I mean, with these hamstring injuries, they're so pesky and you sometimes never know. Sometimes – I mean, it's a very day-to-day type of injury. Some days you feel really good and some days it just – it turns on you and you can't go. So it'll be interesting to see – what does happen with Julio? I would imagine they're probably going to rest him for a couple days this week. And then, like I said, try and get him to go on Sunday. But who knows? I mean, he said that we, we talked to him before um, last night's game a couple of, I think it was on Friday was when we talked to him and he was like, yeah, I'm feeling good, but you just never know. I don't really feel a hundred percent. But he went out and he played, but as we all know, he didn't finish the game. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. As far as the rest of the team goes, um, especially that secondary, it's not good. It's just not good for that secondary. DeMonte Casey, he um, tore his Achilles last night, and, and that is now Ricardo Allen tore his in 2018. Keanu Neal tore his in 2019, and now Casey has torn his in 2020. That's their three starting safeties. Because they do play three safety sets. Like, so <laughs> that's not good when you have three safeties in three consecutive years go out with torn Achilles. That's a pretty that's a pretty significant hit. And then you have a bunch of other DBs that are out too. I don't know when AJ Terrell is going to come off the COVID-19 list. I don't know to a certain extent when Ricardo Allen or Keanu Neal are going to come back. Keanu Neal is working through a hamstring issue. Darquez Donard, he has been put on the IR for a hamstring issue. Like there is a lot going on in that secondary and a lot of it's not good. I'm going to turn the mic over to the fellows for the final questions. Go ahead and jump in there guys. Well, if I can jump in here real quick with that one to that end, you know, Tori, if you would have asked me a few weeks ago, but I thought the outcome of this game between the Carolina Panthers and the Falcons would be, I mean, I would have said that, you know, there's a chance that the Falcons put up 40 on us just because we have so much new as a team this year for the Panthers with a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, really new everything. We're a team that's rebuilding from the ground up essentially with a brand new quarterback, but now going into this game after not having won a single game, and then you look at a team like the Panthers, we've won two in a row. We're feeling pretty good about ourselves. Is this a do-or-die game? I mean, I know it's a do-or-die game, but how does Atlanta feel about their chances against Carolina? And what matchups do you think they might look to take advantage of this Sunday? So I think just starting with looking at Atlanta and them coming into this game, it is a do or die game. It is a situation where they have to win on Sunday if Dan Quinn wants to keep his job. The Falcons are playing on Sunday for his job. And I I know that, you know, there was some conversation last week that they were playing for his job Monday, but I never really thought that they would make a move after the Packers game on Monday because you are on a short week because of what Carolina is doing, because they're kind of on a roll. That's a hard situation to put uh, an interim coach into in a situation like this. So um, I I think that the Falcons have to go into this very – gosh, I mean, they have have to win if Dan Quinn wants to keep his job. I don't know. Like, it's just – 
that's just what has to happen. And I mean, in terms of matchups, it's really hard to say right now because I don't know who's going to be able to go on Sunday. If I'm being completely honest, I don't know if Julio is going to be at 100%. I don't know if Calvin Ridley is going to be able to, you know, he was targeted five times and didn't have a single catch on Monday. Like, I don't know what they're going to do there. I don't I don't know if Tack McKinley, who's one of their defensive ends, I don't know if he's going to be available. I know a lot of these guys, these DBs aren't available. So it's like, I don't even know what matchups I could say like, oh yeah, the Falcons are really going to key in on this because I think they still don't know what their depth looks like. Yeah. Oh yeah. If I had to, if I had to interject, I'd say the biggest matchup is going to be what has been our Achilles heel against the Falcons the last couple of years. And that is, uh, it's going to be Calvin Ridley on Jackson. And whether Jackson can contain Calvin Ridley, because if Julio is out, I think that's going to be a pretty big uh, statement that, you know, our starting cornerback, our number one cornerback, and, and you know, who, by the way, was never going to cover Julio, right? We already know that. No, he was not, that would have been his height, Yeah, it was not going to be him. So I think that matchup is going to be one to track. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I guess my question is going to be, last year we constantly, up until Ron Rivera was fired, um, we always had the conversation. Is it coaching or is it players? And we came to the conclusion a lot of what we saw last year was really down to coaching. Whether the coach, you know, these are professional football players and they're, yes, they can make mistakes, but as a whole, if the entire unit is not performing, which injuries can definitely be impactful there, but we're, we noticed that, you know, you're not going to have an entire team just not performing because they're all just bad right you're gonna have coaching be an impact and so we we came to the conclusion that it was Rivera and now Rivera is gone do you guys feel as though this start and the fact that there is a bit of a pattern with the way the Falcons have been losing which is going up and then blowing the lead and then all of a sudden now they're they're zero and four I really thought they were going to have a turnaround game against Green Bay that didn't happen. Do you feel like it's all coaching, or do you feel like it has more to do with the players and the injuries that are being you know, impactful to you guys? That's a great question, and I think that's something that a lot of us are thinking right now. And I know that the, it's interesting because I think if you ask the fan base that question, they put all of the blame on the coaching. I think if you yeah. ask the players that question, they put all the blame on, this, on themselves. Yeah. And from for me personally – the biggest issue for the Falcons, are, it's twofold. They are not finishing anything. They're not finishing drives. They're not finishing on defense. They're not finishing games. That's issue number number one. And then number two, they're not making the most of any of the opportunities that uh, opponents are placing at their feet. And yeah. in certain situations, it's like, how much of that can you take until like you kind of crumble? And it, how – I. I hate to be like, yeah, no, it's de- it's 100% coaching or it's 100% injuries. I don't never know if 100%, it's 100%, yeah. R- right. It's never going to be one or the other. It's always going to be a combination of everything. But it does call into question, like, how is this coaching staff motivating these guys? Like, motivation yeah. is a huge thing we talk about. I mean, these are competitors. They want to win. But when it gets down to the nitty-gritty and you get down into the last few minutes of the fourth quarter and you th- your opponent has mounted a comeback – and you kind of just like fall to the wayside. I mean, how how much is that is is on not just your internal motivation and how you as a competitor get up for like for yourself and for the game, but also 
how does this coaching staff motivate these players in in the scope of these moments? So I mean, tell her the I, stat, I Cody. Cody, tell her the stat about the fourth quarter. Mm. Yeah, so I had read that no other team um, uh, in NFL history had lost as many fourth quarter like fifteen plus point leads than the Falcons did in, in two consecutive weeks in a row. <laughs> like, like it, it had never happened. I believe I'm getting this right. Field, if take it up a few dates on right, on, yeah. on Twitter, if that if this isn't correct, but <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's man. How do you, especially from a as someone who writes for the Athletic, and when you interact with fans, how do you talk about the choking aspect? Because it's not uh, uh, we're Panther fans, okay? So it's I'm like with oh, a I mean, well, listen, it's like <laughs> we're Panther fans, so of course we love nothing more than to remind all the Falcons and the Falcons fans <laughs> how much they choke, right? But now when you're trying to be a legitimate journalist create and creating content about this Falcons team, how do you touch on the fact that this same thing mm. keeps on happening to Atlanta? This is the question of the night right here. Oh, I haven't asked. Yeah. It's really tough because it's the same conversation over and over and over again. And the whole point of getting into <laughs> sports like journalism. a lot. Yeah. The whole point of getting into journalism is that I'm getting to cover games that are all different from one another. That's the whole point. Like right. you, you going into quote unquote the office, which is going into a game or going into a practice, you're going into it thinking like things are going to be different, but it's the same issues time and time again that the Falcons are having to work through or figure out or just kind of at the end of every game, it's like, you know, we didn't do this and we didn't do this and we need to better, be better about this. And it's like, okay, that's all well and good, but, like, can you actually do it now? Like, yeah. please, because I'm tired of writing the same things over and over. Like, I'm tired of having a conniption in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I, I know you have to have seen those charts by now. That's, like, the the uh, Falcons' percentage chance of winning as the game goes on. Yeah. And, like, right up until the fourth quarter, it's at 99.5%. <laughs> and then it just Take falls that bit. off a right. Take that bit. It's, yep. it's, I don't envy you being in that in that <laughs> situation. I say that sincerely. Well, Similar to we didn't. We uh, weren't envied being, being in our position last year, too, though. Yeah, trust oh, yeah. me. We know bad times, too. Well, uh, Tori, hey, this is Greg. I got a couple questions for you. And, uh, you know, just touching on some of the stuff they were saying there. Um to me, it feels like what we're talking about here is the 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 Falcons look like the Cowboys on paper. They should be amazing, and I feel like their offense is. And it's funny enough they they played the Cowboys and they had that game that was basically identical halves, just for mm-hmm. opposite teams, you know. Yeah. Um, so I feel like their offense is there, and I feel like they're they're on on the precipice of being a great team. It's the defense they need to focus on. Now you did. You had six draft picks this year. You focused three of them on defensive players, and one of them you don't have right now, or a few of them you don't have right now, which I understand. Do you feel like if your defensive players would have stepped up that you drafted, you would be right there? Like you would be a team that was competitive? Because I feel like the defense is the only thing holding you all back right now. And two, um, if this is a moment where you feel like you need to rebuild, 0-6, 0-7, do you start shopping Julio? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think okay. you do. Um, okay. I 
I mean, I don't have any, like, concrete evidence to, like, back that up. But, like, if you want to start a rebuild, like, yeah, people love Julio here. And I'm and this isn't me saying that this is, like, what the Falcons are doing. I don't know. Like, right. but sure, why not? You literally got nothing to lose if you're 0-7. Like, try anything work at that point. Um, but, but yeah, and, sorry to interrupt, but weren't you 0-6 no. last year? And Problem. and you and I think you were oh you started oh and six because I think I texted a friend laughing at him because he's a uh, Falcons fan and then y'all <laughs> turned it around and y'all ended up like seven and nine so better than us I, I I can't remember but but either way I get what you're saying yeah yeah Sorry. I think it's just like a situation where it's like that's not acceptable anymore like it yeah. happened last year and mm-hmm. you know they put up with it and they saw that it turned things like things got turned around in the second half of the season and that's all well and good but like. They're tired of it. They don't want the same thing happening again, as we were just talking about. It's the same conversation over and over. It's become the narrative of the Falcons. Like, so, yeah, yeah I, I mean, it, it, they could turn around. Like I said, these next five games are definitely winnable. But, I mean, the way the defense is playing right now, and this goes back to your first question, the way the defense is playing right now, it does make you think, like, okay, how, how are – how can the defense help the offense in, in – it does go back to kind of like draftable guys and yeah. making sure that cap looks a little more even than what it is yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, I, I think if your defense was on par, you'd be at least two and two right now, to be truly honest with you. The, the reason that the value should be two and two period. Like they should be yeah, two and two right, because right. those two games in which they had opponents where they had literally had Dallas and Chicago in consecutive weeks, mount two of the most historic comebacks. Like, Mm-hmm. You have to win those games. You just have to. And it's really sad when you don't. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, I mean, I think the biggest the biggest nail in the coffin for Dan Quinn is the exact same nail in the coffin that you saw with Rivera, and that is their defensive minded head coaches who have a very bad defense. Yeah, I yeah. won't say very bad for you guys. I know for ours. Yeah, it was no, theirs bad. is terrible. Don't worry. Yeah. You don't gotta feel bad saying it. It's awful. <laughs> But, you know, nonetheless, I I think that when you have that, you brought Dan Quinn over from Seattle because he showed that he could he could make a defense look phenomenal. And he he came to, you know, Atlanta and I think he did a good job. He never got to the same level, obviously, because it's going to be hard to mimic anything you did in Seattle there with the, you know, uh, with with their their crazy uh, defense they had that year. But uh, you've just constantly seen, I feel like a downward spiral with the 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 defense and anytime you see just constant just i guess depreciation if you will in the quality of the defense when you're a defensive minded head coach you, you had you hired him because you had a good offense you didn't need the help there you still don't need the help there why is the defense not performing yet i think that's the biggest hurdle for them right now yeah i'd agree with that all right, uh, Tori, wonderful having. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Tell them where they can find your work on The Athletic. I'm a subscriber. I will admit I still take advantage of the student discount because I have an EDU uh, <laughs> email address. But go ahead and tell them how they can find your work. Yeah, you can just find – I mean, I cover the Atlanta Falcons, obviously. This is what we've been talking about for the last 30 minutes. But I uh, just go to The Athletic, and you can either go to the Falcons page or the Atlanta City page or even the NFL page, and you can find me there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Tori underscore McElhaney. Um, and, yeah, looking forward to, to Sunday. All right. Thank you so much for your time. 
Thank you guys you. go ahead and check out The Athletic. It's great for long-form content. Um, and not even long-form content, just uh, what we're trying to do, which is follow you know individual storylines. Each week I get to go and look up you know, the opposing team and our team and see, you know, people that are covering it closely. All right, now that we've had Tori on the show, guys, thoughts going into this week. The Panthers played a fantastic game. We're going to get to the cat calls in just a second. But um, to me, the the Falcons sound vulnerable. 100%. And the Panthers seem to be maybe a team that could be a, a story. Yeah, I agree. I think the, I think the Falcons um, are vulnerable, but I also know our weakness is our, you know, is our secondary and our middle. If, if there is one thing that is going to have an opportunity to succeed here, and that is their offense, because they are led by a very, as much as people want to shit on Matt Ryan, he is a very good quarterback and he has proven that, Every year with his statistics, the problem is when it comes down to the bottom line, a lot of times fourth quarter, there are just some horrible, horrible mistakes. And hopefully we can take advantage of that. But if there's if right now when we see when we go up against experienced quarterbacks, they have they have absolutely uh, taken advantage of what our defense is, and that's a young, inexperienced defense. So we'll see what happens uh this week, I, I'm not going to write it off as a victory just yet. I think it is no, going to be a victory. No, but yeah. I think we're underdogs, to be honest. I bet you if I pull up the line right now, we're on the road. The The fact is that this team does have uh, offensive firepower. Yeah. That's the that's the problem. And where is the Panthers, I guess, ultimate liability? We have thought, or at least we initially thought it was in the secondary. Julio being hurt is wonderful news for us, though. Think about this. And to be honest, Rasul Douglas followed DeAndre Hopkins around all last week, limited to him to, like, under 60 yards. He did have, like, seven catches, but was not able to really – that their passing game was ineffective. Their entire offense was ineffective. The Panthers' defense was phenomenal in that case. So if Julio's out, all of a sudden you're starting to talk about a hobbled Falcons offense and certainly one where their defense has a lot of these pores. you yep. got to wonder if this is the game they just say it's time to feed Ty Gurley. I was about to say, I was about to add on to that. We have to do and continue to do a good job stopping the run. I feel like we've definitely done better at it um, as you know as we've played. We did well against the Chargers. We've done well against the Cardinals. Derek Brown has really turned it on, and he's been that monster in the middle that we wanted him to be. I mean, now he's you're really seeing that grown man strength out of Derek Brown. So I mean, he's been incredible, it, and now Brian Burns. Turning it up each and every week, looking to be more than a one-note player. You know what I'm saying? Is that you wondered if in that um, L.A. game, if it was just his ability to be an outside force. But in this past game, yes, you're going to see this one play. People have highlighted where he had like this juke inside move. He looked like a basketball player going to the basket. Um, but 
another thing, though, is I've seen Brian Burns tackling running backs in the backfield. So you have him coming to life. You have your tour, your tour, your tour, gross matos. Dude, at this point, just coming say to life. Yeah. I like gross mottos. Yeah, gross mottos. Gross matos for me. Yeah, gross yeah. Is like, me, me and, like yeah. Gross matters. Yeah, yeah <laughs> my my like you're saying, my toast is gross. Hey, look, 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 here's the thing: is is y'all know my opinions on the Panthers so far, and what we felt or what we've seen. Okay, everybody knows that I've been very skeptical of what's going on. I've also said from the beginning that if we do really well, I will gladly eat my words and be happy if I'm wrong. It looks like we're doing all right right now, but to be truly honest with you. Go back and look at the stats and the numbers and the wins. We're doing just as good as last year with Kyle Allen. And last year with Kyle Allen, a lot of us were saying, oh, look, we, we should pick him up. We should, he needs to be our guy. You know, if Cam can't come back. This is the same exact thing. People are just forgetting what's going on. Like I disagree. No, you, you can disagree if you want to, but the stats don't lie. <laughs> stats like, stats this, this, do no, lie stats in some don't respects. Lie. Stats don't lie when it comes to win losses, touchdowns, they don't lie. Who's, That's all who's better? It. Who's yeah. better in your opinion, Teddy Bridgewater or Kyle Allen? Kyle Allen and his five oh, game wins. No, 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 no. Who is better? Who is better? In, in the first four games, do not of the Panthers? say that. Hold on. In their first four games with the Panthers, no. Period. Period. Who is a better quarterback? Who is a better quarterback? Period. We don't know going forward what Teddy Bridgewater is going to who's, do. Now I hope he does well. I really He's do. He's like ten times better than Cal Allen. Okay, bro. based on what? Based on what though? Hold on, real quick before you go, yeah, go Cody. Based on what is he ten times better than Cal Allen? It's not yards. It's not touchdowns. It's not wins. Leadership, hundred percent, right out of the that, gate. That, that's opinionated, and you're not on the field, so you really don't know that. You only know what you see in the media. No, you see like, him directing traffic when people are in the wrong spot. He's like, no, you need to come over here. Using. You know, I'm telling you, like if you look at it. Kyle Allen looked like he was in a he was not the stage was too big for him. But don't we and also we say that the offensive line is better this year than last year? I think it is, but I think you have a lot to well, do with the fact that right. you have a, a quarterback that can coach can actually lead the offense. I think when you look at it from that perspective, here's my this question. This is not even Who a conversation. Better? Teddy is no. like ten times better. No, but here's I, here's my I question. I just can look at it. I gotta and hear Cody. I think Cody's gonna Cody's gonna go on my side here. Yeah, but, no. but listen, I wanna I wanna try to be the reasonable one in all this and say that okay, no. So listen, Teddy Bridgewater. If you're asking me who I'm taking right now, if I'm taking Kyle Allen or Teddy Bridgewater, I'm taking Teddy Bridgewater. Now, do I think this offensive line is playing better? Yes. Let me just speak to the fear that I think Greg is talking about. Right. So last year. And right now, we're in a similar scenario at around the same time where the Panthers start winning football games. And then, hey, the guy under center at least looks competent enough to be able to effectively run our offense. And then we're all like, and then we're all like, oh man, here we go. The Panthers are good. And then just the rug gets pulled out from under us. And we weren't like that, that though. No, Let me remind you. We? we were yes, four we were. and two. Go and back and said. watch the tape. I promise you, we were on this podcast I, I, going. You know what? Winning, but we shouldn't be winning. What did we tell you? What did we, I remember specifically? Almost identical, probably the same week that I said about Kyle Allen. I said he is basically what I can't even remember his name because he's irrelevant now. Was to the Vikings before Kirk Cousins. 
that and now that's what Kyle Allen was us, to us last year was basically something to fill in the place. He was never going to be an answer. And I know a lot of people think Teddy Bridgewater can't be. I think in the offense that Joe Brady is running, which is much more efficient than what we had last year, 100%. Last year, yes, we were putting up some points, but we were we were not putting up nearly the quality of points that we are in this Kyle, position. Y'all okay, okay, Kyle hold on, hold on, real quick, real quick. Credit, you you say quality of points. Trash, hold on, man. hold on. He real quick, terrible. right here. For, first first six games last year. I don't want to hear first six six games. Tell me his season. Why? We've only seen four from Bridgewater. No, I've given you six as being legit. We've only seen four from Bridgewater. So first six games last year for Carolina were four and two. 27 points, 14 points, 38 points, 16 points, 34 points, 37 points. How many many points did we... we, That is equivalent to what we're doing this year. How many points have we scored? How many times have we scored under 20 points this year? So far. Zero. Uh, zero. Okay. So, so one time, at, excuse me, two times out of, out of the six games. Can, okay, but so Greg, so Greg, you have been very critical on the coaches, though. But mm-hmm. can I argue that now, even though the numbers are similar, that was a Ron Rivera who had been there for a long time, and now we have Matt Rule and Joe Brady. And again, it's like all the, the criticisms that, that we heaped on them, it, it, it's like – Man, they started behind the curb, you know, with the, with, with the COVID thing. Everyone's in their first year, and now for them to be doing what they're what they're doing, I, I get what you're saying, and I understand that that trepidation of, dude, I've I've lived through this story before. I don't want to yeah. be in a sequel. I understand that completely. I do think the fact that we have brand new coaches, that we have so many young players that are performing to this level right now. That's why this season is much more, in my opinion, it's it's a better start than even what we did last year when you put all those things together. What would That's our – truly point. this, what would we look like if Kyle Allen was the quarterback? Oh, and four, 100%. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Okay, oh, and four. He was terrible, man. But let's not act like this wasn't the first game Teddy Bridgewater won for us. The game he won, the first win of this two-game win streak. I don't care. Teddy Bridgewater didn't win that game. Five field goals. If we're in the backyard, if we're in the backyard picking teams, you can have Kyle Allen, bro. But can we say this, though? Listen, you win as a team, you lose as a team. Yeah. Okay, so again, like people like to do this if you're on or off of the Teddy Bridgewater chain. Like, oh, if the team wins, oh, look at Teddy. Oh, you were so wrong about him. Right. Well, not really. <laughs> I think right. our whole team. How about this? Put some respect on Mike Davis. Yeah. Mike Davis mm. is running his ass off, and he is going to truck right through your ass. They don't care who you are. He knows that he's not Christian, but he don't give a damn. Dude, he's coming out there to feast and, and make some money for him and his family. Salute to the guy. Uh, Mike Davis and that offensive line, they're cooking right now. And I really want to make sure that we give that a point of emphasis. Yes, uh, Our offensive line is run blocking their asses off and they're pass protecting well, which that's all we wanted for Taylor Bridgewater to be able to do his thing. So all signs are pointing up, man. You know what I'm, I'm most – you know, I think we need to look at too, is we are now officially done with preseason. Like if we think about it from that perspective, we had four games. Um, And so this week is going to tell us a lot about our team because, you know, I I don't know if you guys watched the uh, Monday interview with uh, Matt Rule or anything, but like 
he was very transparent on a lot of things. And one of the things he said is, you know, there's there's things that we did really bad in week one that we're still not doing great in in week four. And we need to correct those things. But what he's really happy with is that he has seen people like Greg Little, Gross Matos, Razul, you know, whatever his name is. I forgot his name already. Um, in our secondary, seeing these guys actually Rasul on the field. Douglas. Razul Douglas, that's what it is. I wanted to say gold for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, he's seen them. And now we can basically have a team that is built for success moving forward. And I'm hoping that's something we see. Do I think we're going to sit here and win the division? I mean, it depends upon how if the Bucks decide to crumble or not because it seems like the Drew Brees-led Saints are definitely not a bad team, but they are vulnerable and they look like they can be beat. You know, um, We're so not I'm out just, of it. We're in time for no. a second right now. No. I mean, I yeah. Is that like I mean the, like am I ready to put money on it? Not necessarily, but this team is better poised all of a sudden as they look to be getting better from week to week. Here's Matt Rule crediting the players on that improvement. Yeah, I don't think it's the coaches. I think the players are just getting more comfortable in the system, um, and they're playing well. And they're making plays. You know, um, you know, Phil's. You know, I think Phil's a great coach, but I don't. You know, I mean. I think Yitor turned the corner and knocked the ball out, and Trey was a smart player and ran and got the ball. You know, I think I want to make sure that credit's all going to the players. Their um, tackling was considerably better this game. So I just think every week they're, uh, you know, the defense and the offense are saying, hey, we need to improve this. They're finding things to improve, and they're getting better at it. And I think the real key is just to not get tired of that. You know, sometimes, you know, we get a couple early wins, you know, and then you, then you, then you, you know, you, you feel good, but you don't realize that it gets harder and harder as you go. So, but I, I just think it's a function of the players. Um, our defensive front was really active. Our linebackers were, you know, were, were, were playing really well. And I thought our secondary uh, did a really nice. All right. So that was Matt rule in his Monday presser. Um, go ahead and smash the thumbs up button. Be part of the show. Two, five, two, 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 eight, I gotta say this about Matt rule. His press conferences are, like, annoyingly good. They are, if you could teach somebody, like, if you could raise your kid to have good manners at the table and you took them out to, like, a big dinner with grandparents there, people that, like, understood manners and all of this, and they were perfect. Like, he is, it's annoying how polished he is and... When I say annoying, what it really means is I think it's authentic. Like, I mean, he's not forcing coach. I know a lot of people say it's coach speak, coach speak, but there, dude, he's asked about a defense that's been struggling, uh, people calling out Phil Snow and his ability to coach. And instead of pumping up the 60-year-old coach, he's like, man, these players are out there making plays, homie. It's perfect. If you could not script it any better, your thoughts on Matt Rule's just in this uh, process real quick. I think Matt Rule has taken the right approach to all this. That, listen, you're playing with house money right now. They gave you a seven-year contract. I mean, no matter what could have happened this year, it's his first year in the NFL with a bunch of young players. Like, there's no reason... For Matt Rule not to put his all into this, yeah. Uh, I mean, not for him to 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 feel a little bit loose. Experiment. We're gonna have fun playing football in a COVID world. No one believes in us. Everyone's picking against us. 
I mean, whenever you see, uh, you know, all the media outlets and who they pick, they all pick the Chargers against us, and then they all pick the Cardinals against us. So, again, it's like that uh, that bulletin board mentality. All right, no one believes in us. We're just a little engine that could. We're just the rookie head coach. You know, we're just uh, little old Panthers over here on the, on the uh, right side of the country. You know, it's like we're in that spot where no one really expects a whole lot from us. So, you know, the sky really is the limit. Now, and this is what I think is a reasonable question, and I don't think it makes me and Greg, like, bad fans are unreasonable for mentioning it. It's like, how much of it is a facade? How good are the Chargers and the Cardinals, really? We're about to play the Falcons, and they're 0-4. Then we're going to play the Bears, and they're up and down, like, a win is a win is a win. That's all you can do is what you're asked to do. Get the W on Sunday or whenever you play. But I'm worried that maybe we have taken advantage of teams that we thought were stronger than they actually are. Well, well the Chargers would, were would, no pushover against the Bucks. They weren't, yeah. No. And then they also almost beat the Chiefs as well. I mean, and you got to look, and, and one of the things he talked about in that presser that we didn't get all of it of because 20 minutes is talking about Greg Little. Two weeks in a row, he went against high-quality pass rushers, Chandler Jones and Joey Bosa, and he held both of them in check. I mean, that's hard to do. Well, he any- wasn't the guy so much in the Chargers game, but I understand he's yeah. had no, a tough match. He split reps pretty, pretty well. I mean, I think it was pretty Did evenly he? split. Yeah. Okay. Um, because he brought it up. He said it was it was him and the other guy. I can't remember the other guy's name, but he said he's 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 gushing over Greg Little. He is gushing over Greg Little, and and that's the part. What you just played in that interview or in that uh, presser is exactly why I think Rule is going to succeed. He is doing what we've always wanted him to do, which is build this team up and not sit there and knock them down every chance you get. These guys are coming in. D- Deshaun Jackson or just. Uh, Dante Jackson he's coming in every week with confidence. Even though he gets hurt, he comes back in there and he's fighting. He is always fighting. He is not he's, – he's learning. He shied away from contact on that interception that he ran out of bounds. He learned the next week. He is taking that contact on. He's not afraid. He's fighting for this team. And then you, you look at how he's handling Greg Little. He's like, this guy has just been handling these guys. He's doing such a good job. You know, it sucks to lose Okung, but, man, Greg Little is out there doing great things. And when you have a an actual coach that is building your team up, especially one so young as ours, dude, these guys can be dangerous. I'm not going to sit here and buy all into it because I know that we've been, you know, we're we're living week to week. At least myself, like the first week, I'm like, yeah, we're done. Peace out. Buy we're not into gonna- it. Buy into it. There's nothing not to buy into right now. That's what the thing is. You should be excited. And you yeah. should be excited about this team for the very fact is is that they look prepared. They look to be getting better from week to week. And that's that simple. Uh, like our, we can we can say this is all right, did they play the Green Bay Packers? Not yet. I don't know if we have to we don't have to play the Packers, I don't think. We gotta play the Chiefs. But you can only play the people on your schedule. We're already sitting here going into the week last week saying, good God, we got to play Kyler Murray. We got to play DeAndre Hopkins. This, uh, you know, like not Isabella. Who's DJ? Who's the other guy? Uh, there's one other guy that might was coming off an injury. And we're like, oh, my God, this is going to be a big test for our secondary. Kirk? Yes, Kirk. Exactly. 
And so this is that we're, you know what? We won a game and kind of an ugly game against the Chargers. We look better this past week. You should, we should be excited. We should be excited that our team doesn't look like the Broncos or the Jets or the Giants. Like we are trending each week in a good direction. And I think that's a lot to be said about the coaching staff. And if it's not, if even if it's not about the coaching staff, like they're not the reason that we're doing this, we see that they're not uh, in the way. No, right? they're not in the way. And, and, right? yeah, and, and again, it's like I'm saying earlier, like it's their first year. There's so many rookie players. It's this they're... good. That's what I'm saying. It's this good yeah. and it's first year. That's exciting to me. And Let's still get... we already have people in the chat room saying that we're all oh, that we've we're too hard on the team. Whatever. We're reasonable. I think we're reasonable about this team. All right. We got to get. I, let's I go feel ahead. like I can be a little yeah. too hard on them sometimes, but I'm trying to be reasonable. So, okay. Uh, the number is 252 Let's jump into the cat calls. So, what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty. You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So, how do you think cat calling makes the person feel? It feels good. Like. Hey y'all, Carolina Podcast, how y'all doing? Geek of RCA. Again, I called y'all yesterday. What's Monday, up, but today is Tuesday. Hey, I'm still hyped over that Arizona Cardinals win, man. That was a good win. We looked balanced. Like I said before, then we look balanced. We look like a balanced machine. We got those daggone dirty birds this Sunday, man. The pathetic-ass Atlanta Falcons. And I enjoy watching them lose against the damn Packers. Something I want everybody to actually realize, we haven't beat Atlanta Falcons in two years. The last time we beat them was 2017. Okay. And for people out there who really don't know That's tough. football like that, they swept us two years in a row. It's our time. It's our time this year. It's our time to beat them come this Sunday. Could we sweep them this year? I don't know. Even we went to the Super Bowl in 2015, you know, we was 15-1, and one, but that one loss came against the Atlanta Falcons. I pray and I hope that the defense – that Phil Snow is capable of, capable of, can stop the Atlanta Falcons. And I hope Mr. Brady has some more little wrinkles and good offensive plays to beat down their defense. So give me your thoughts on that. You know, because I truly believe that we can beat the Atlanta Falcons. I know we can. I know we can. We just have to play smart football and be an oil machine. So everybody out there, Always remember, y'all, keep pounding. Keep pounding. Hey, he raises a great point there about us being 0-4 in the last two years. And every time we've played them, we've been on a upward motion with the way our team's rolling and the way we're playing, and they've been down, like going down every single time, and they've beat us. So, I mean, based on that, it's not looking good. But if you play the odds then we should win this game. And I feel like we have the talent to win this game. We do. I think their defense is like a sieve. I, I don't I don't think they can stop anything. And 
again, listen, uh, how many other teams do you know that you're going to be able to say, man, we might be down by 14 or more points at any given time, and we're still (laughs) just in this, dude. Like, we are we're in this game no matter what. Just in it. No, we're not even close. We need to be up 28. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. That's not safe either. Yeah, well, not if you're the Falcons. And, yeah, I mean, listen, if you're a Panther fan and and you're one of the people that's like, okay, this team is going to be a surprise team this year, right now it's looking good for you because this is what this is what you want. I mean, there are some teams that that uh that we have on our schedule that are going to be a tough out. So I think it's good that we have some games right now where we can find our identity and and actually figure out who we are as a football team, rough some people up, get some some bravado going, some energy, some emotion. Like that's what we need right now. And as of right now, there's no reason to look at this matchup and not pick Carolina. Like Atlanta has not given us a that's reason. what I. That's what I feel like is that yeah. we can keep to telling our. We can keep telling ourselves that Atlanta is better than they are, and that's just us saying the same things we wanted to believe before. At this point, Carolina has given us something to actually. They've given us results. They've gotten better from week to week. The other team hasn't. They've gotten worse from week to week. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta so, had it would be uh, illogical, and they're, and they're more injured than they were too. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the next cat call. The number is two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. What up, C three? It's your boy Mike, aka Supreme Alita. Supreme <laughs> Hope you boys are doing all right. Um, this uh, on this fine, beautiful Tuesday. Gotta love this fall weather. You know what fall weather means? Football. So that's uh, it. First quarter of the season. Um, I, I mean, I could be more pleased. You know, we could easily be three and one, possibly even shit undefeated. But two and two, right in the thick of the hunt uh, in our division. Still um, got that extra. Don't we have the extra playoff spot this season, I think, I believe? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, um, these uh, next five games, I think, are going uh, to be the uh, judgment for our 2020 season. Uh, got a couple of division games. Um, those are the ones we're going to have to win. Uh if we want a chance, and I want a chance, I always want a chance. Uh, it's for me. It's any given Sunday. You know, it's doesn't matter how poorly rated a team may be, as evidence of last Sunday. You know, the whole world picked against us, and yeah, including me, did, demolished them boys. I, I love the way they contained Kyler Murphy. Um, Murphy. I love the <laughs> doing. Robbie Anderson. The announcer kept calling him Kyler Murphy. I know. Um, Isn't that what he's trying to do? Like, trying to make fun of that? All this without Christian and C-Mag. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you never expected this. Um, this. I think this is a testament to uh, our coaching staff and how well they're uh, preparing our our guys out there, especially the young guys, man. Um, Shouts out to Rule and uh, Brady and Snow and the rest of those guys. Uh, they're doing the big. So uh, I would say uh, after these – after this first quarter of the season, uh, any uh, thoughts or uh, anything on uh, the coaching staff and the team as a whole? Uh, same opinion about the team, or do you now have a different opinion about them? No, I think we have to. All right, I think I have the perfect analysis of what our position should be on the coaching staff. And Greg, you would not agree with this because you were ready. You were like you were going to be the skeptic for the college coach coming into the NFL when we you yeah. know, hired him, and that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, there's actual, real evidence that college coaches have not done well coming in. You know, so you can't just be like, "Oh man, we're so optimistic." But we were right. glowingly optimistic when Matt Rule took over, right? Mm-hmm. So you get this, and you get a guy that's signed to the seven-year deal. He gives this press conference. We're about to run through a brick wall for him. He then announces his staff, which triggers Cody Lashney into being uber excited because he brings in Joe Brady, right? So he got me in the initial press conference. He got um, Cody in the secondary, in the staff announcement. And ultimately, we were all... Saying this is like, oh, there's nothing to be, there is nothing but optimism to have right now because being pessimistic would just only being pessimistic. It wasn't until you injected the Cam Newton storyline that we all of a sudden really took a turn, which was there was like, you can't just be optimistic because then we just focused on this. But right now we are starting to see data. We have seen data about this coaching staff. And what I've seen is a team that ebbed and flowed a little bit in these first four games. The offense ebbed and flowed, right? So what I mean by that is exciting in week one, dipped week two and three, excite back in the end zone in week four. The defense, kind of same thing, except for it dipped two weeks and then two weeks in a row, it upticks. What I'm seeing is a sort of consistency for this team developing, and I have said it. The coaching staff looks more than competent. The team looks prepared. Very simple. It's like, I mean, at the very at the very worst, I don't even know what what is the worst coaching decision that has really happened. You can be like, did we manage the clock right? Yeah, actually, we've been pretty good with clock management. Has been awful. Right? Yeah. Or the fourth and one. But overall, my real concern was with Joe Brady, and not because I didn't believe in him, but you know, I'm saying like you just don't want to gush optimism just because of the hot name or this and that. But he's lived up to it. And more, more than that. So through four, four, four weeks, like, I mean, the sky's the limit in this is give this team some talent. And all of a sudden, man, boom. I'd be, I'd be like, if he is who he says he is, Matt Rule, 
we gonna be winners. Let me uh let me uh bring up some questions from our chat. John Hare says, uh, how do you guys on the show feel about the whole tanking idea at this point? Are you guys worried that we won't get mm-hmm. Lawrence or do you feel like we win with uh what you can and then do the best job drafting? So yeah, let's talk about this. And CK wanted to differ with me on some of this stuff too. Yeah. But um listen, at this point, all I'm doing is this. I'm taking it one game at a time. Like instead of me being like Oh, I hope we lose or I hope we win. I mean, obviously, I hope we win. But now it's to the point, like, if you're actively hoping for tanking, like, I've, you know, I have the mindset that this team, um, I don't know. I don't want them to get my hopes up either way, so I'm taking it one game at a time. Like, I think that we're definitely going to play our way out of Trevor Lawrence. Even if even if for some reason we ended up being, like, a top five, top ten team, which I don't think we are, but even if we did, like, we're not getting Trevor Lawrence at this point. Maybe Justin Fields or Trey Lance falls back to us, in which case I would love that as well. It's not just a Trevor Lawrence thing for me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I, I, I still want – a badass under center uh, with a little more arm talent to be able to push the ball downfield than Teddy Bridgewater. But right now he's proven, proven to be serviceable. But what I will say is this, I'm not going to right now say that, Oh, we're looking like a playoff team or, Oh, we're looking like we can do this. No, no, but we don't need the stink of tank on us. We don't need that stink. Keep it away right. from this organization. And you were never willingly tanking. No. Yes, you would. Is like that's ha- not no no tank. player would. We but what you would do is yeah. trade away. You in many ways you would do exactly what Miami did. Right. You tank yeah. as an organization, and right. the Panthers have not have yeah. not done right. They have not done that. Well, here's my thing. Okay, it is. You guys know my position on the coaching staff, the changes we've made, everything else. I also, like I said, from the beginning, have admitted that if, if I was wrong, I'd be glad to be wrong. And if they end, everything ends up working out, I also have the the option to change my opinion on the situation. Well, you I know, changed my um, opinion like seven times. Right. Yeah. So you can change your opinion based on <laughs> the, you know uh, stuff changing in, in, the, in the whole equation. Uh, but. I, I think the biggest thing for me is like 2017, 2018, 2019. Like we always every year going in feel like we are just this one thing away or if this rolls our way this year, it's going to happen. And something's happened that hasn't. And it feels like another year with that going on, you know, no, based on everybody no, we got rid of. close to being like that yet. We won two what games. You, we can't even so be what, excited okay, yet. Okay. Like if we make it but, three and four and you're four and two, all right. That's but that's, that's still saying. so far away. But that's I think what this I'm is going to so be a win- season where you get to say, where you get to just enjoy everything. Just enjoy so, it. But, 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 Tony, that's what I'm saying. This will be our fourth season in a row winning six, seven, eight games. Like, that doesn't seem exciting to me. Like, I'm, like it sucks, man. I'm tired of winning six, seven, eight games. That is... That's the bottom of the league, not bottom of the league. That's just barely above bottom of the league, man. I'm ready to move forward. Now, what we're looking like right now, maybe we will. I'll have to wait and see what happens in the future. But I'm tired of being a, a seven, six, and 
you know, 10 team or a seven and nine team or eight and eight team. Like I'm just tired of it, man. You know what I'm happy though about is the fact that we can all look at our team right now and know we're not a bottom five team. Like we know when we look out of the league, we know right, we're not a bottom right five. now. We can say right. that two weeks ago, you wouldn't have said that. That's what I'm saying. Everything can change. Yeah, actually, lose, I would have said that two weeks ago. I would have said that two weeks ago. We did I was not right. Two weeks ago what if we well. lose the next two games? Oh, what if we lose to the Falcons next week? Do you call us a bottom five team? No, because no, they, if they, if they, they are a good for team, two and they three. Just, they're still worse than us. How about if we lose? How about this? Here's a question for you. Okay. If we lose to the Falcons, who's the worst team? Ooh. Between the in two the division, yeah, between yeah, between the Falcons and the between Panthers, the two of us. even oh, we're I, I still, still a better team, even if we lose. No, but the Falcons no. we're two and we're we're two no, and three. Better. They're Never one and win. four. No, the better team wins. I don't, I don't care about penalties. That's not true, practice. man. That's not true. It's, it's like uh, it's the Falcons beat us in 2015, but we were the better team. Yes, yeah, that's not true. It don't matter though. If listen, if they beat us, it does. You said that they're a better football. Just team. that day, if, that day. All right. So how about this? Um, let's pick a team out there. So are the ba- excuses in my mind. It's like, not excuse. Like, then every team would it, you wouldn't have to play the game. Okay. Well, let's you wouldn't go have to play right, the right, game. Let's go through it like this. Who would you rather have, Tony? Uh, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, or Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore? Well, right now, I right now, I don't know. Yeah, I put, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Julio Jones it's, it's is on the fair argument. That's why I'm asking. I want to put it out there. It's a fair argument. So, who would you rather have? Because I love Julio Robbie Jones, Anderson. This guy have a baller, yeah. He is. Well, he really is. Are, yeah. I think. Well, yeah, Julio is All right. good. Right. Let's go to the next call. Let's do this. Let's go to the next call. <laughs> hey, y'all. How y'all doing? My podcast up, brothers, my family. Y'all know what it is. Cheek of Didn't I'm still happy. Over that wonderful, wonderful victory we had against the damn Arizona Cardinals. Now, I just realized this and don't bash me. I wasn't really looking at the schedule like that. We got Atlanta this Sunday. The fucking dirty birds, man. The punk ass dirty birds. Dirty turds. Honestly, I want to win this damn game. But you know, Atlanta, man, I hate to say this shit. They had that number for a while, man. <clears throat> they really do, man. I mean, I could see us beating them, but I don't think we're going to blow them out or anything like that. I see us winning by at least, at least a field goal. If not a field goal, then maybe a touchdown and everything, man. So uh, give me your take on that. And once again, man, we're getting mentioned in the damn media. People talking about the Panthers now. Ooh, ooh Teddy Bridgewater, you know, they're not tanking, this and that. And all that tanking for Trevor Lawrence. Let this shit go out the damn window. This is not rebuilding season, my opinion. I know we're only two and two, but hey, I told you, my main, I keep saying we're going to be fighting for a wild card because it's an extra wild card this year. I can see our, our damn Panthers doing that shit, man. So give me your thoughts on the Atlanta game, y'all. And always remember, y'all, keep pounding. All right, I'll open it up to y'all. I have a Do question. You have- yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you realize now with the fact that there can be three wild card spots, right, in the division. There is a chance that every person from the NFC South makes the playoffs. Mm. Well, that's that's true with any division. Yeah, yeah, there's a chance. But I know, but, but look at it from this perspective. Right now, you have the NFC East, 
which they're which all bad. Be, like the the Redskins yeah. are in the division running. Yeah, they're they're Can leading. You believe the division. that <laughs> they're, they're leading, leading the division. <laughs> no, but remember what? though. Remember though. I would I would still I would still put the NFC West. As a better contender to put three teams in the playoffs than us, yeah. I think, but, yeah. I think the Seahawks, the Rams, and well, no, I mean, but you know what? The, honestly, you're that was possible them. before. You could have three teams in the. There was a year that Atlanta, this, Carolina, and Orleans made the playoffs. All four teams can make the NF. They make the wild card now, or Just make the, the uh, playoffs now. Make the playoffs. Oh, you're right. The no, you're right. That, that's teams. a good point. Four now teams. four teams can because there's three wild card spots. Yeah, and so if there's one that wins the division. But do we really think that all four teams are going to make it? I don't. No, I don't. But I, I also look at the. I mean, yes, NFC West is definitely the one you've got to look out for. Um, you but know, they're they're going to come out of the East. Or the but the the 49ers are not the same team they were. You know, they, let's let's be honest. They they just lost to the Eagles. And no, it wasn't, they, didn't they beat Philly? No, no Philly they lost. Them. They lost. They lost uh, to Philly, bro. They lost gonna, to Philly. The Cardinals bad. lost to us. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then who who else is in that division? I almost forgot. I mean, you have the Seahawks, the, Ram, uh, the Rams, and the Rams are not the same team. They they look decent, but they're not the same team. You know, they, there's good. Yeah, the they're, but they're not. Almost got beat by the Giants. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So uh, I mean, there's there's I mean there's this this entire NFC is up in the air. <laughs> and when I look at what we have as a as a as a NFC South, I think the NFC South has a chance to have. A, a lot of quality contenders. If the if the Falcons can turn it around, if they cannot be plagued by injuries, then that's that's something that can happen. But I'm just saying that uh, when you look at it from that perspective, I think there is a chance that the uh, entire division can make it into the playoffs. That would be insane on the first year. Yeah, you raise a good point. You really do. So let's think about it. Who are the le- who are the powerhouses in the NFC? Uh, Green Bay, Green Bay, and Seattle, right? Green Bay, Seattle are by far the best, and then you have the possibility of the Bucks being at three and one, which I still think they are a. But I wouldn't call it powerhouse are, right now. No, they are a good yeah. team that is playing well, but also could very well clump, crumble. And right. uh, I would say that the Saints, until they officially go away, I would say you can't count them out yet. Give them that yeah. respect. Yeah. Okay. So, so three out of seven possible teams are powerhouses. I yeah. feel like we're missing someone. I do and too. The, and, and I really, the, I really do. No, yeah. Not Detroit not Chicago, sucks. Not anybody in the East. It's not the Detroit, Detroit Vikings Bears. Yeah, are all yeah. kind of next to nothing. I mean, you, you have all of NFC yeah. East being bad. Then the you Rams. have the Cardinals not being what they were expecting. The Rams right. not the, being what they can live yeah. up to be. And then the 49ers clearly taking a step back. They can't pretty good. large. They don't have, they have, have too many. Too many. But a lot of things can change still. Yeah, but I've always said, I, in my mind, the the true NFL season doesn't begin until after week six. Because yeah. in my mind, after six weeks of the NFL season, that's when the, the, the men are separated from the boys. Right. Yeah. Like right now, there are some football teams that if we looked at their record right now, you would think, ah, this team kind of sucks, whatever. But then later on down the road, all of a sudden, whoa, like this team has put together some some good wins. Mm-hmm. I think the Vikings are a contender to do that. I thought that bad, but they're finally starting to kind of get get their things back together. We need to see a little more. That's why like it's it's too early to say who is and isn't gonna last. 
You know, like there's still so many question marks around too many football teams. Like we don't know what the Rams are going to be. We don't know what, I mean, hell, Atlanta, look what they did last year and turned it on at the end of the season and won a bunch of games they weren't supposed to. So you just don't know yet, but you just have to take it one game at a time right now. And if we're doing that, then it feels good to be a Panthers fan because we've got some momentum. Let's go on to the next call. The number is 252-228-5098. Smash the thumbs up. Be a part of the show. Hey, guys. It's me, fam. It's the nation at large. It's your boy, Joshua Mass. Joshua uh, Mass. What's up, buddy? You know, I like, like a lot of what I saw on Sunday. Looks to me like a team that is going to get it off fight this year. Uh, I think we're really starting to see respond to the call i want to put forth something to everybody and everyone's gonna be like, oh come here you go again whatever let me put forth this scenario would you be upset let's say the panthers this year kind of do what me and greg are afraid of right let's say we go eight and eight nine and seven or seven and nine whatever 
Okay, so then we have a good first year under our brand new coaches. The team shows signs of life. We see good things to build on, right? Okay. Let's extend this out a little further. Let's say the team with the number one pick in the draft is a team that already has a quarterback. Like the Falcons? Well, like the Falcons. So, again, I mean, everyone's saying most teams are just going to pick Trevor even if they have their quarterback, which isn't surprising to me. But let's say the Jets, the Giants, the Falcons – Let's say you have some team that has an entrenched starter at uh, at quarterback. I mean, I don't think they're going to be in this position, but the Texans right now still don't have a W, right? And we already know they have their quarterback. Would you guys be upset after a, a season this year where we showed a bunch of potential if we traded away future picks, even if it was a lot, to be able to move up and and get the quarterback of the future. By the way, it also doesn't push Teddy Bridgewater out the door because we could do with him like teams have been doing with Tyrod Taylor, give him the reins until the young quarterback is 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 ready. Do you do that with Trevor though? Well, I, I wouldn't. I think he's ready right now. But I'm saying like if we're a, a football team who had a decent season, better than we were expecting. And, they, and David Tepper decided, I want to make a move for the quarterback of the future. Are you guys happy with that? Or would you rather just build on what we have, continue to draft, and just try and continue to build that way? I say no. We don't. Like, I would not be happy with it. And I'll tell you why. Because if we don't trade up and we let the cards fall as they may, right? And... Trevor Lawrence is a bust. Well, then we just, but if we trade up and we, it's a bust, we just mortgaged away our entire future. Yeah. Like, I mean, like the next 10 years, regardless. Right. But what other player would you like? What, what other player would there ever be for, for, for there to be enough film and footage enough for you to be like, okay, if any player justifies the hall, it's him. No, you got to say, we're not in a position. We're not. I don't think we got to move. No. All right. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. But we're, is, we're like if we're seven to nine or whatever. You have to like move so far up. You got to move from 12 to one. If you want to move from it. 12 to one, especially knowing it's Trevor take Lawrence. You two first round picks. You're going to you're going to give away the next two years of first round picks or a first round. And you're giving away Not more than. Best. Yeah. I think two first rounds would be cheap. Yeah. It's going to be more. I mean, I could see a scenario where they say our entire draft pick next year, like every draft pick. That <laughs> I mean, which would be like horrendous because I mean, for the future of the team, I think that's quite the opposite. You want to have if you want to build a team around Trevor Lawrence, that is the 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 worst thing you can do. Well, because all right, I yeah, think okay. we got to go. This is uh, Panthers Guide FSU twenty three says you guys got to show the new headquarters. Um, so I yes. need you guys to go to Panthers dot com. I've got it pulled up, and yeah, if you I get have, a, uh, I have there's a Twitter uh, post with like four so, pictures in one. All right, so yeah. I've got the screen. There's ten pictures posted by the Carolina Panthers. Yep, is oh, an ad. Remember, we have to get people excited, excited to come to that place right there. 
What? Uh, why? And, First of all, it looks better than the stadium. It looks incredible, man. For now. It Keep looks in like mind. a spaceship. If like we're putting space- the effort into a headquarters like this, it's not far behind before we get a new stadium, guys. I'm telling you, like, look at. I mean, oh man, what a smart comment you said. You said for now. <laughs> yeah. How brilliant is that, CK? And uh, to to add on to what uh, to what CK was saying though, uh, while we're looking at these pictures here, so you were saying if we gave up a first and second round. You know, this year and next year, that's, you know, uh, draft capital that you're not going to be able to build the team with. But could I make the argument that if you already have a young, talented roster and we have money coming off the books, that now free agents are going to want to go and play for the football team that has the guy at the quarterback position. So, yeah, you're, you're, maybe you're suffering in your draft for a year or two. But then after that, you're getting back and you've already been nah, able to do you're not going to be able to. You have, it's too Look, much. It's too let me much. ask you a question. Um, Deshaun Watson, what's been his biggest issue for his entire career with the Texans outside of coaching? Um, like with his game or what? Yeah. Like what about no, no, no. What, what, what's, what's the reason that the Texans have not been able to take it to the next level with Deshaun Watson at quarterback? Uh, offensive line and play calling with Bill O'Brien. So they haven't been able to build a team around them, and they didn't even trade picks away. Just think about how much harder it would be if you oh, traded all did. your picks away. It did. They traded from like twenty something up to get. Uh, but they didn't trade. Ball. They didn't trade like their future draft picks of like and three then they years. They did afterwards, and it didn't work. I don't think it works. Well, here's all right. How about this? Is the Redskins that the last team that did it? Actually, I don't know if it's the last team that did. It. The Redskins did it for RG three. Yeah, but are we just judging on every team that did it and failed? Like, what about all the teams yeah. that that moved up and and were successful? Name, tell Gary, me the one. What is the uh, team? Uh, the, the 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 Eagles team? won a Super Bowl. Yeah, they the, moved up the, and got Carson Wentz. Let me let me ask you: When somebody moved, they got in the it with Foles, though. Come Grant. on, they didn't even win. <laughs> it well, okay, you're right. But 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 wasn't Carson Wentz having an MVP season that year? Guys, we yeah, are he always. Was going to be a middling football team if you don't have the guy under center. If it means, okay, you mess up your next uh, draft for a year or two, if it means getting the guy at the most... So was Cam Newton the right... Was Cam Newton the wrong guy under center then? What are you talking about? No, we went to a Super Bowl with him, 15-1. But we didn't win it. We didn't win it, You said we're never going to win it. Yeah, you I mean, said honestly, we're you never going to win it. Uh, is that we had basically the number one pick of the draft? We can Was he number one pick or was he number two? He was number, number one. one. Yeah. Um, if, so, if you look at it from Peppers, that perspective, that was number two. If you look yeah. at it from that perspective, Cam's career with the Panthers is the definition of a middling football team. You know, it, not saying that he was a middling quarterback, but we did not You're win. Right. Yeah. We did not win more than we lost. Well, we had the we had the quarterback. And we didn't have the organization around him. Now I feel like with Matt Rule and Joe Brady and David Tepper and everyone who was in, invested in our future, I feel like now we have the organizational part, or at least it looks like we have that down. Now get a, a quarterback, a superstar quarterback, to fit that offense, and dude, we could be rolling for years at the time. Or it could be a bug. Yeah, yeah, you could have, would have. You could be my. You might be my uncle. 
See, y'all are sounding like me right now. No, I'm not sounding like this. Is I sounding like that's way too? That's just ridiculous. It's just going to be way too expensive. It's too it easy. Be, it's the too amount easy. of money, the amount of uh, draft capital we would have to give up to move from three to yeah, one. You're never going to be able to build a good team. Never going to be able to build a good team when you give up multiple first rounders. Sorry, you just can't. You cannot wow. build a team when you give up multiple ones. So you would rather have just another linebacker, another defensive? No, linebacker. I would never pick no. a linebacker. First of all, I would if you pick a tight end in the first round, I'll punch in the head. Uh, no, <laughs> like no, I would not. But I would, I would not pick right. those positions. But at the same time, like you cannot go three years without retooling you know, top end and, talent. And it's and already it's hard enough when you and, get three. And, then if that's the case, every night we need to be praying Taylor Bridgewater is the one no. and keeps it up and does because listen if you're not going to draft a quarterback that means no, you're paying we can get, we can get somebody in free agency. Hey, let me no, let me let me, let me press the break. Let's press the break for a minute. Can we press the brakes for a second? Who are the top quarterbacks in the NFL right now, in your opinion? The top. Uh, uh, Russell Wilson. Where was he drafted? Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Where was he drafted? Third round, right? But Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson also bucked the trend of the short corner. No, yeah, no, Russell Wilson. No, hold on, hold on. I'm just, I'm just trying to prove point. Butts and what? Hold, hold on, hold on. So Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, first round. Deshaun Watt. But where in the first, first round. round? Where in the first round, though? Okay, Rodgers, you're right. You're Rodgers, right. and and Deshaun and Pat. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, both of those teams had to trade up for both of them. And I would but say they were, but it was like the, the first 12th. Round. They were not no, early. Mahomes they were was not 12th round pick, uh, 12, number 12 overall. And, right. and, they moved and up big time for him. Mahomes uh, was number 12. No, the, uh, Mahomes yeah. was 10. No, Mahomes was 10. Deshaun oh, was 12. Oh, my bad. My bad. But it was where worth was, it for both of them. Where was yeah, Lamar we're not saying it's not. We're not saying it's not. Lamar Jackson was 32nd, right? Yeah. What I'm trying to prove a point of is you don't need – like, we don't need to reach for a quarterback at number one. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, what I'm saying is, yes, it may not It may not even be this year. It may not be next year, maybe the year after. I don't know. We'll see what happens with Teddy. Um, but what I'm trying to point, put a point on is that Mortgaging the future of your your organization is exactly what the Bears did, and look what's happened. Well, yeah, but they pitched so and the Giants. No, nah, yeah, and I don't want to talk about it because it's like I feel like we talk about Trevor Lawrence more. We talking about Cam Newton. I'm tired of talking yeah. about that little girl, bro. <laughs> well, my, look, CK, you would be his number one fan if Trevor Lawrence was a Panther. I yeah. will be, but he's not. He's not. Yeah, I'll be happy so for real, I would like quick. him to be a Panther, but I, I don't think it's like it, to reach for him would be a problem. Yeah. By the way, I never said Trevor Lawrence. I just said to move up for a quarterback if we're out of range for one. And, yeah, and real, I mean, real quick, I, w- I want to say, pushing back on what CK was saying, you're right, CK. Like, there are a lot of quarterbacks that have been taken in the later rounds or, or later in the first round that have been okay. But the odds tell you that most of the time you're going to end up with a Will Greer. No, if what that's I'm trying the to case, say is if then that's you, the then case, then you Watson. should not yeah. trade to get Will Greer then. But what I'm trying to if point out is, yeah. hold on, you're, you're forgetting the point. What I'm trying to say is, like a lot of the quarterbacks that we're talking about this year are going to be gone in the top five. If we talk about trading into the top five, 
That's it takes no bueno. years and years no, of not behind, at all. of away from your but organization. I agree. 100%. What I'm talking about is ten and beyond. Absolutely. And the statistically speaking, if you look at the rankings of quarterbacks in the NFL right now, every one of them, for the most part, in the top ten were drafted late. Dak Prescott. Uh, you have Gre- uh, you know, Green Bay. I was going to say Aaron Rodgers. You have Lamar Jackson. And I'm talking about later, like in 10 or beyond, not, not top 10 picks. You're right. Thereafter. Yeah, you're right. You know, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. You have all of these guys that were drafted late that are successful, Russell Wilson, and they are considered the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. We've mm-hmm. got to look at it from that perspective. Tr- mortgaging your, your future as an organization is not the move to have and not even the future the, the right then you're mortgaging everything it's no, ridiculous the, you are overspending you you're have overspending. a to so go up to one or two this is what we're talking about i don't want to hear about like moving up from the third to the second that's not what we're talking about we're talking about moving from 12 or 15 to number one and that takes an act of god oh yeah yeah, but, but I feel yeah. Like so it's not even know. worth talking about. It's not even no, worth, talking worth talking about because if you have a okay, you say mortgage your future. So okay, we're talking about what? Maybe two, maybe three years, as opposed to no. You're talking. How do you quantify three years of first round picks? It's not just three years. It's if like you quarterback. If you drafted a quarterback, how long would you want them to quarterback the team for more? Decade, more than a decade, right? Okay. So, if you draft losing, your quarterback, yes. All I'm saying is losing a few years of draft picks to make sure that you have your quarterback is worth it every single time. But, but you're That's talking about, but those draft picks you're talking about giving away are also players that are going to last a decade, hopefully, if you're if you're drafting them. So, be. yes, a quarterback. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Is like if we can get somebody in the top fifteen. If ten to fifteen, if, if with if if we're talking about trading from fifteen to nine, sure, let's talk about that. That's a different scenario. If we're talking about trading from ten to one, that is a much different tra- right. transition from draft at, draft yeah. equity, and that's yeah. where I'm talking about. And I know you're not just saying Trevor Lawrence. So let's take into a field. He's probably going to be within top three, right? Depending upon how the season goes. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah, I have to say top play. five, it's top it's five. You gotta give away yeah. two picks to get in the top five. No, we're two, overvaluing those two first picks. round picks. Bull crap! Overvaluing those picks. That's a lie. Okay, so listen. Right now, the, the right now the Houston Texans they don't have a head coach or a general manager, right? So if you're one of the people who's applying for the job, that's not necessarily the greatest job to apply for. So if you're Houston, uh, they don't have a first round pick this year or next year. But what's the one thing that they do have that is going to get the the hot new coaches' names to consider the Texans highly over every other football team? That's right, Deshaun Watson. They had Deshaun Watson. They had Deshaun Watson. I don't think that alone is going to do it. Yeah, I don't think that alone is going to do it. You know that you're Deshaun and DeAndre, maybe Deshaun and DeAndre. Yes, they've had Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, DeAndre. bro. Right. They didn't just get Deshaun, but he's already on his, his second contract. Weapon. They got rid of his best weapon, dude. But that that wasn't his fault. You'll be able to build. I know that wasn't his fault, but it still affects him. 
But if look, you don't look, have the quarterbacks, you don't have anything. I agree with you there. And, and you know, I want to real quick touch on, you guys were talking about earlier free agency and, and picking up a big free agent. I'm sorry to tell y'all, Carolina is not a spot where a big free agent is going to go, okay? If there are four or five choices for somebody like, say, an Odell Beckham or, you know, just any, any huge free agent, a Bosa, they're not coming to Carolina, because we're such a small market. It's not going to happen, man. We don't we don't pick up big free agents for that reason. And it, I mean it sucks, but it's that that's the way it is, man. They want to come to a big market and make money, and if they're not going to, they're not really going to consider coming here. Because most of these guys are not about winning, they're about making money, which I understand. I understand that, but that's what it is. You know? Go but ahead, go doesn't ahead. that change? If the Panthers start winning together or putting together winning, I don't, I don't think so. We were fifteen and one. Who were the biggest free agents that came if to Carolina the next year? Player, do you want to go where there's a bigger market, or do you want to go where you know you're going to have a better chance to win a Super Bowl? That's what I'm saying. We were fifteen and one. Who were the big free agents that came to Carolina? Yeah, but we didn't have year? any money, bro. We did well. No, not even that. We didn't have much turnover. We didn't have turnover that year. We had a lot of people come back. We went and got Matt Khalil. Hey, yeah. I, I, I just don't think Carolina's a big market. I, I, I love Carolina. I love being a, a Charlotte fan, but I just don't think we're ever going to attract huge free agents unless it's the end of their career. I think or I think we will. Money, like that, you know? money attracts all, bro. You know, I think Matt true, rule. but they want money with endorsements. I think Matt, Matt Rule and then this new headquarters and the fact that this team is clearly trying to put this place into a position to be successful, I think those things are absolutely going to be able I to draw so. free agents. That, that, that's, that'd be really awesome if it did. You mentioned Odell yeah. Beckham. Right? All right, can the we Packers. play the next call? Yeah. yeah. we got to push through these calls, bro. Right, We're going to be here all night. If, if Odell Beckham Jr. had his choice of going to a small market team like Green Bay, you're damn sure he would do it because Aaron Rodgers is there. And that's my point. If you have a quarterback that makes you uh, win football games, maybe you get Aaron Rodgers in free agency, huh, man? What? Maybe you get Aaron Rodgers in free agency. Yeah, we got DJ Moore and uh, Robbie yeah. Anderson, man. But he's better than what he's got right now. I'm down. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron so. Rodgers ain't going to be playing football for the next ten years either, though. He's going to be in New England if they don't keep Cam. Mm. All right, next call. You heard me say it right now. Hey, Justin Matthews again. I'm back from outer space. You just walked in to find you here with that look upon your face. Like the Cover this call for me. Win the second game of the um, oh, I wish I had a follow-up as good as that, uh, that opener was there. Damn. Uh, Eddie, it was great showing by our defense this week. Uh, really only a couple of guys who seem like they're – they're going to just be who they are. We know who they are. Because your white has one of them. Uh, some other names out there. but I'm also happy to see Mike Davis coming along and being and really starting to look like that, that bruiser power back. Um, be great. I, I really think it'd be great if, if he continues to develop uh, with the skills that he so apparently has to, to be a bruiser to go with Christian McCaffrey, you know, more finesse, more, uh, you know, more, more finesse, more option type, uh, money kind of type. And Robbie continues to impress. Uh, and I agree with a lot of people, DJ Moore is kind of, well, he's not kind of disappointing, he's pretty disappointing. Uh, 
lackluster. I don't know if it's if it's just one of those things that kind of takes time, or if it there's if the usage isn't quite there. We never really had those big moments, those big games, big catches that we've all been waiting three years now for him to take. This is year three, uh, or is it four? No, this is this. this. Um, and, you know, I, I, I questioned with him and, him and Curtis Samuel and his team, trajectory they're on, it's like, oh, well, great, let's get a middling draft pick, and now we're, we're going to end up picking another receiver because neither of, neither of these two are going to pan out. It's, it's, I hate to say it, but it's really starting to feel like this the way it's going to be. And I don't know if it's game plan. I don't know if it's about the receivers there. I mean, I, don't, I think our receivers have looked pretty good. I think everyone has kind of shown uh, the value that they have, even down to someone like Farrell Cooper on punt returns. You know, I mean, we haven't been fantastic, but I think our receiver core, um, I mean, listen, we had a window where we could have had a really good tandem in DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. I already said, I think Curtis Samuel is still going to be a big-time NFL football player. Whether or not that happens on the Panthers, it remains to be seen. I don't know that Teddy Bridgewater is ever going to be the kind of quarterback that uses him like we've been dying him for him to be used for the past, what, three or four years since he's been drafted. Um, I, I think You I want some, him to be Tariq Hill. I tell you, you what, can I say be. this? Can I, I say this? Enough. I'll be really upset. And I mean really upset, actually if we decide to pay DJ more before we do Taylor Moten. Oh, we're not paying DJ more. How do you know? I mean, if he I puts up another on my nose as I took season. a sip of beer because he's not been good, bro. Dude, uh, okay. He was with DJ Moore has not been good this year. He's been better than any receiver we drafted in the last, I'd say, seven, eight, nine years. That's fine, I but you, with that. Robbie Anderson Easy. is clearly the best receiver on the field. I would say the best. Oh, you and your Robbie what? Anderson nonsense. It's like not even. It's night. Like it's. It's, it's not. It's, it's head and shoulders. It's tagged in lies. De- then DJ Moore is a up right terrible. Now, and Tony, I know you're sweating that we're getting close to six games now, and you're afraid. I see. It. I know I that. Hear, yeah, I can that's hear true. it in your voice. <laughs> I ain't uh, let's scared see. about DJ. Yeah. John Harris. Let's see. Andy. Receiving. No Robbie Anderson has three seventy-seven. DJ Moore has two two eighty-eight. Uh, Anderson has ten more receptions with only two more targets and one more touchdown. Yeah. So, Robbie so, Anderson. You're, you're right. Robbie Anderson is doing better than DJ Moore. You're right. But DJ Moore DJ is still Moore's been sorry, man. He's been dropping balls. Yard season, he's so. not blo- blowing off the doors off of nothing. 
So no, no, he, he, hey, to be fair, you're Tony, right, you're right. he started the season out this way too, and then he turned it on. Like, okay, he, he, I'm not saying he at, can't be good, yeah. but like, I ain't got no reason to re-sign him. Yeah. Oh, I, I, really? I you're not going to re-sign him if, if if his opportunity comes up. You're not going to re-sign DJ Moore. Nope. You don't think fifth he's, year you don't option? Think maybe. A, you don't think he's a good enough number two at least? Okay, no, DJ Moore, really. Curtis Samuel. You got you got to sign one of them. DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. Oh God, neither. Really? So you <laughs> don't him. Really? Okay. I'm not giving into this Curtis that? Samuel right. shit. No more, wait, wait, man. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you this, Tony. Who do you want to draft then? Uh, are we drafting another receiver? Robbie Anderson does it all. You know, we don't need we don't need anybody else. Well, first of all, we got DJ. We don't have to re-sign DJ. We're not even close to re-signing DJ. We got like two more years with DJ. Two I think I think yeah, two years. Yeah. I've heard you say you don't want to draft in the first round. And now you're saying you don't want to move up for a quarterback. So who we drafting? <laughs> yeah, we're drafting a cornerback. We're drafting a cornerback. We're drafting a safety. We're drafting a defensive end again. We're drafting. Want a, I want a left day. tackle, bro. Give me that left tackle at eight. Give me that left okay. tackle at twelve. As everybody overspends for John and Ross, you and think that's bullshit. the difference in us being eight and eight and uh, thirteen? No, eight? but I tell you this: is I've seen Cam Newton, the best player in my lifetime, that I love more than anybody, play behind a line that sucked a big D, and it didn't do him any favors. That's not the point. way that it should that's be. That's that's not the way that it should be. You should build a good offensive line and a good receiving core for your quarterback. Dude, but, DJ Moore is, is not even that good, bro. Calvin Ridley's way better, and you could have drafted him. I'll give He's you that. Calvin better. Ridley is better. I feel like Calvin Ridley is a better, but no, he also no, has no, he no, has a more no. accurate quarterback throwing 100%. to him in in his career. Like Matt Ryan is a passing quarterback. That's what he does. He throws for big yards Again. to big receivers. Like, why are we so even like, talking about the fact, this? The fact you have Julio on the side helps him this out. This doesn't even seem like what covered. we should be talking yeah. about. Yeah. You're right. It doesn't. First of all is that this. If you sign DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel before you sign Moten, then, yeah, I got some questions, bro. Sorry. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, Moten has been all right. Like, you put your money where your mouth is. And I and I, I don't want to just hear reputation draft stock. And at this point, is Taylor Moten is actually I've seen good tape on him. He's been great since we drafted him. He's had a few bad games here and there, but but dude, for the most part, he is He's a gotten better. He's a shutdown right tackle. I feel. Well, see, I don't know if it's the answer. I don't know if he's the answer. But I do know this is that he's given more for me to believe in than Curtis Samuel is. All right. 252-228-5098. Hey, guys. It's Jason from Colorado calling you again. Um, I Just to get started, I, uh, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the. Hey, yo. No. Wait, just pause. I thought my on, mic so. cut out. Never mind. Headphones cut out. Just stopped on its own. Hey guys, it's Jason from Colorado calling you again. Um, I just to get started, I uh, you know I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the personnel choices that we made this week. Um, it seems to me like, and we talked about this before. It seems like KK might be kind of past his prime a little bit. 
um, and that it doesn't seem like we're we don't hear his name called out hardly at all. And I know that's good with offensive linemen, not so much with the defensive linemen. Um, I, I personally I like the idea of throwing our rookies in there. I want to see Bravion Roy get some some more reps. I'd like to see um, uh, Kern, I think was his name, uh, the guy that kept on stubbing out at slow running the time <laughs> for the Cardinals. I, it was something that uh, I think spoke to the quality of the coaching Kerr. during the game where um, Arizona would call a last-minute substitution, and by rule, we have as much time to use to substitute our players as we need. And so he just strolled on out there and, and killed probably 20 seconds between the two substitutions in the last few minutes of the game. And I think that that showed a really intimate knowledge of the rules, and I think that, that speaks to the quality of the coaching that our team's receiving. And... Um, Another thing that you know that you y'all brought up. Question about this: When he says it, so shows an intimate knowledge about the rules. <laughs> How's he spelling that? All right. In the uh, post-game show was um, the, the the downfall of Gettleman after he put the franchise tag on Josh Norman and how that kind of spelled. The end, you know, where he he broke his own rule, and then he had to go and and uh, redraft the position that he let go. And I know that a lot of people were saying that you know Josh Norman, he, he was kind of washed up. We had his best season in 2015, and then he, he took off. But I mean, I don't know if y'all were watching the Bills game, but this was his first game as a Bill, and he really made himself heard. And I think that that yeah. speaks more to the kind of defense that was being run because when he was playing with Sean McDermott. It seems like he does a pretty darn good job. And then when McDermott left and cut Norman, he goes to Washington, and Washington's a dumpster fire. I don't think you can hold anybody, yep. uh, you know, to task for not being a rock star when you go to Washington because it, there were holes all over the place. Although, when we played Washington back in 2016, they kicked our ass, and Josh Norman had two interceptions, or four, I think he had an interception and a fourth fumble in that game. But he, he was out there. He forced another fumble with a peanut punch, which was fun to watch. But um, another thing that, that y'all were talking about was, you know, just the kind of uh, the, the coaching situation and how um, certain coaches – I think that coaches can get credit for the spectacular talent of their players. And I think that a few coaches that kind of suggest that with one of the ones that Tony brought up was John Motzko. He got cut off by the time limit, and I'm sure I've got another call for him next, but thoughts on that? I, I love it, man, and I think it, it goes back to one of the things that I have said many times on this podcast, that so much of coaching is taking the, the players that you have and putting them in situations that you know is going to make them successful. So, for example, uh, when Washington signed Josh Norman, everyone wanted to be like, oh, he's not a shutdown corner. He sucks now. He's this and that. Well, what we were asking him to do here in Carolina was different than what the Redskins were having Josh Norman do. He was his zone corner, and we ran a zone scheme. Like, he wasn't the guy that you would put on – a number one receiver and just shut him down. Like that's not really how we did things here. So, you know, kudos to the bills. I, I think, uh, uh, Sean McDermott has really proven himself to be a legitimate coach in the NFL. He always had one of the best defenses when he was here in Carolina. 
and now he's rolling up there in uh, uh, in Buffalo. I don't know if you guys did see the interception in question, but Josh Norman hit him with that peanut punch that he learned from Charles Tillman when he was here, and he was uh, he was recovering fumbles. Man, he looked good. The caller mentioned the substitution. Here's Matt Rule on um, what, how, what the Which, thought by the way, that. I love his answer here as well. Oh, yeah, and you got to play two clips because he answers it twice, and you got to piece them both together. That's from, that's from being in college where everyone's tempo all the time. Oh, my um, you know, they sub. So when they sub, we have a chance to sub. And um, when you're a tempo team, you know, I do believe that we should substitute because that's safety. You know, you start getting – 15 16 17 plays and they're going tempo when it's hot you know i mean we want to try to rotate our guys so well when they subbed um you know we sent them in that's like i said that's something that we've we're used to and um um you know i think our guys did a great job of when i yelled for zach kerr to go go get in the game and get kk out he did or Derek brown out he did it and did a great job here's part two uh, so I mean, just for Zach, I mean, you know, we don't, we would never want our guys to sprint on the field and then play a snap. Right? They're that asking be, him if he ran on slowly. You know, that wouldn't be safe. I mean, if if, if like if you're having to run off the field because we, we, you know, you're up against the clock, then we want you to run off the field. But running on the field, I mean, we would never sub if there wasn't time. So I mean, we 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 don't want guys running out there and being gassed and having to play it. I mean, that's uh, about safety. I want to, I want to, yeah, that's what I absolutely loved is that it wasn't a matter of him patting himself on the back and saying, yeah, we made a really smart move there. It oh, was, yeah. it was, hey, yeah, no, that's honestly, we just wanted him to get out there and not have to, you know, get hurt. We didn't want him to, yeah, or we just wanted to substitute to help, you know, make sure those safeties aren't getting too gassed. Anytime we have an opportunity to rotate guys out, we're going to do that. You know, when it, when it comes down to that, what I hear in that is, Everybody else, even in the broadcast, and Greg, I know you weren't watching, so you may not have known this. Basically, what it was is it was like five, like maybe 10 or 15 seconds left on the play clock, right? And the, op- the offense got to substitute. Well, Matt Rule being, you know, a head, heady head coach, a very smart head coach apparently, knew that he had an opportunity to substitute, meaning they weren't going to be able to snap the ball. And it was in the red zone both times. And – so basically, they got to he substitute, substitute Kerr, and Kerr jogs out there. I mean, yeah, was he kind of jog walking a little bit? Yeah, but and basically, still, it wasn't. Or, it, yeah, it was. They had to call a timeout, and one of them, yeah. one of them, yeah, they had to call a timeout. It was a beautiful. And you know what is is we learned because I saw UCF play, so UCF played the East Carolina Pirates in week one. And these guys run to the line. Like the whole team, as soon as the play's done, the whole team runs up and they snap and go, snap and go. It is insane how quick they get their offense off. And it dial it, it exhausts a defense. So when you're playing college teams that do that, you got to find ways within the rule system and not only do you throw off their up-tempo offense, you set them back by having a uh, um, having to call a timeout, getting a delay a game. It's phenomenal. The number is two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. 
I, I really I'm ramble on too much, but Moscow got a lot of credit for being this offensive line whisperer, even though just because Andrew Norwell is, you know, an undrafted free agent came in and had, you know, became an all pro. And I don't, I don't think that that necessarily means that that coaching is spectacular. Another instance would be Adam Gates, who in 2015 had this rock star season with the Denver Broncos. And, and really it was all because of Peyton Manning, Really, from 2013 through 2015, Peyton Manning changed the league. You know, he was out there slinging it and whatnot. But then Gates was able to ride that into head coaching job after head coaching job, and he's turned every single one of them into the ground. And honestly, I think that you might be able to say the same thing with with Ron Rivera, where when Cam was healthy and being Cam, Rivera wins coach of the year. But when Cam's not healthy – the rest of the team was just garbage. And so I, I feel point. like the, you can't translate individual unique talents into, uh, you know, adequate coaching. I don't think – I think it's a false equivalent. Um, I did want to – you know, a, a couple weeks ago somebody called in and was, was roasting up – I think it was roasting up CK about how he was pronouncing Luke Keekley's last name because y'all were saying Keekley and not Keekley. And, but I'm saying the same thing about Yitor Grossmatos because it seems like everyone wants to call him Yitor Grossmatos, which is <laughs> uh, it's a, a bastardization of his name, but that's, you know, small fish. Um, last but not least, I guess I, I, my, I'd like to throw in a, a, an iced-up pick um, for, for J-Dub on his call last week where he was saying, you know, I've had enough of all this negativity and all this, that, and the other and how people were expecting us to be bad and that – that shows that you're not a true Panthers fan. And I don't think that that's true. I don't think you need to be 100% in lockstep with coaching and management to be a fan. And, again, that was something that made, I don't know if it was Greg or CK brought up in, the, in their ISEP picks a few weeks ago about um, gatekeeping. And I don't think we need to be gatekeeping Panthers fandom. But, you know, it's all in good fun. We're all Panthers fans here. And uh, I love what y'all are doing with the podcast. Keep pounding. Shout out to Joe the Blind Panther. Wow, wow, wow. All right, let's keep pounding through the calls. Fellas, how's it going? Victory Tuesday. Huh. But anyway, this is AJ down here in Blaine County. Um, What's up, AJ? A while since I've called in, but just wanted to call this week. Team, team's looking really good. Uh, liking seeing the defense flying around. It's I like this really good. Main reason I'm calling a couple points that I just got to get off uh, the whole quarterback talk. I hear a lot of people about Trevor or any other quarterback that we don't need to win games if blah, blah, blah. But here's the deal. There's more than one way to build a football team. And you don't have to lose and get one of the top three picks to get the that guy quarterback. That formula does not always work. More times right. than not, it fails. Look at all the other quarterbacks that have, have went in the top. That The car, calls what, are fired what happens? Everybody's not Cam Newton. Cam Newton covered up so many holes yep. with this football team that it worked for us. They didn't do nothing for him. We didn't build no line for him. We put That's him a cool. defense on the other side to keep us in games and let Cam win them. That was that was Ron's formula. Build the defense up, let Cam win the game. That's what happened. And that's how it that's that's what the deal was. 
That's some and, true um, speak right there. I like I like the process of building a football team and get your franchise guy when you can. Look at Kansas City, Mahomes, good team. Mahomes is special, but he has a good football team he plays on. Russell Wilson, third-round guy, good talent. Everybody was scared of his height. Went to a good football team, went to a winning program. And he's only gotten better every year. There's more than one way, guys. And at the end of the day, I want to see competitive football. Secondly, the biggest thing here is Herney. Marty Herney. I know people hate Herney. I know there's people that like Herney. Here, here's the thing you got to think about with Herney. There's two types of GMs. There's the kind of GMs that I'm going to take the guys that I want to put on this team to make And there's guys like Herney. Herney drafts people and gets free agents that the coaches want. Guys the coaches want to have. Our evaluation of talent with our prior coaches, with that Herney's worked for, Ron Vare and some with Fox, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Fuck! Okay? Period. Matt Rule is going to work because he's a coach. He's not this, I'm an offensive guy, defensive guy. He's a coach. He can motivate guys. He knows how to get the best out of guys. He understands football. All right, he's got a part two of his comment, uh, of his call. I love this call. And in many ways, we kind of touched on this in the show, that the only way to get a quarterback, the only way to build a franchise is not through a top five pick. And that's true. Uh, it's just true, man. There's too many teams that have had top five picks that don't do it right. There is not enough evidence. Yeah, but to you're say, saying that, that you can't do it right. Like, there's one thing I'm no, saying. No, no, and I'm saying is this: is that there is, there is that is not the only way to build the team. How good did like the, the caller say? Out there, all star quarterback. He if was a six round guy, pick. He was a six round pick. Have, he was a six have, round pick, homie. Newton, you can't use that. No, you can. Who I'm, he was I'm a one million dollar acquisition. It's a. Ter- it's not a good analogy. If you don't have the quarterback, then you really don't have don't have anything. It, it, look at how much value a player like Cam Newton not only meant to us, but then look at what the difference that Cam Newton was. Uh, on not being on that field, the Eagles won the with Foles. The Baltimore, yeah, but uh, you're Ravens talking about the thing that happens, uh, less. that happens less. That happens who won the less. Super Bowl last that year? Happens, that happens way less. The, the Patrick Chiefs. Mahomes, all right, and guess won what they the year did. before? And, but but guess who what? The, the Chiefs before? did. The Chiefs moved up to draft their quarterback of the future. But it was at twelve, bro. You can't use him. It as doesn't a top matter. Five. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. You move, dude. You move heaven and earth. To get your quarterback. That's what, I don't care if anybody agrees with me, that's what you have to do. And, and right. th- th- this is not even a conversation about Teddy Bridgewater. This is just, there are many different ways to build your oh team. Oh my God. Mad- oh, if you need to go study every uh, Denver Broncos draft. It don't matter when that's they Denver, moved, uh, that's, that's a that, that's a that's part two. Yeah, okay. Lost that time. I'm sorry. It's been a while. Like I said. No, but, it's a um, realistic anyway, one. Uh, it's not. scared. It's simply that Marty Herney is going to draft the guys and get the guys in that the coaches want to have on the team. He's not the guy that steps on a limb, steps on toes, 
and overthrows or overpowers a coach. And that's why coaches like him, okay? Herney is just that person. He's the guy in the position. Yeah, he signs the checks. Yeah, he does. Well, Tepper signs the checks. But, yeah, Herney, you know, writes up the contracts and all that stuff. And he has made flaws in the past with the crappy contracts that he gave out. But when you have someone, and, and you can see that Rule has a vision, and he wants to build to build this team to that vision. Everybody that we brought in was someone that Matt Rule wanted. Free agent, draft. This draft is going to pan out pretty well. I don't know if it's going to be special, but I liked who we brought in. I love the guys we brought on defense. You plug in a linebacker or something, you can go free agent. I love to see Luke on this thing, but, you know, he's done, so it's fine. But uh, free agent linebacker, maybe a draft, another, you know, find somebody in the draft. But we can focus more to the offensive side of the ball now moving forward, which the offense is pretty well. It's just you can see, I guess they say trust the process, you can see the process happening before. These guys play for Matt Rule, and you can already tell from week to week. I like this guy. He's going to work. He's going to be good. And the whole Trevor stuff, might as well go ahead and stop it because this team is not that bad. All right. Hey, keep pounding. Love what you do every week. I listen. Maybe I'll call more. I hope so. Matt, keep calling. All right, guys. Keep calling. Bring in, uh, first of all, thanks for the support. Even just listening, tell a single friend or five or ten about the show. That's a Panthers fan. Uh, make sure you smash the thumbs up button, subscribe to the podcast. So let's keep pounding through these calls. Panther podcast. What's up, Steve Kabasi? What's up, G? Just kidding. This is Blake. Oh, going on. <laughs> he uh, got me for a second. I was like, God, he sounds way lighter. CK's comments. Um, you're talking about the uh, the draft and how Herney looked good. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that the first time the draft looked really good is when Matt Rule comes in. I think Matt Rule actually had a little bit to do with this draft, whether Matt Rule wants to take credit for it or not. Um, but, I mean, look at Derek Brown and Jeremy Chin looking on the Panthers' uh, website. I have now. To They're talking about how Derek Brown comments. amongst rookies has the most tackles for a loss, and Jeremy Chin leads all rookies in tackles. So pretty impressive. Um, even looking at uh, oh, uh, Teddy, Teddy Touchdowns, which I'm not a huge fan of Teddy and pulling for him. Not a huge fan, but, man, I think I could see the rust coming out of his knees when he made that run. Like, when he made that cut, looks like you could see little specks of rust come out. But, no, I was actually impressed. I'm, you know, pulling for the guy. It's got to be scary taking those runs again after having such a uh, gruesome injury. Um, last thing I wanted to say is, have you seen the new Rock Hill facility renderings? They just released it today. I mean, this is like a, a giga complex. It's amazing. 80-foot ceilings in the indoor practice facility, two outdoor places, apartments, shopping. It's going to be an awesome place for concerts, all kinds of cool stuff. It's going to be awesome. Dude, I want to so, spend so much money there. All right. So first and foremost, to my comment about Marty Herney. Uh, so I was thinking about this because I know 
somebody somebody was going to bring this up, and I had a feeling that it was that we do we really believe that this draft was Marty Herney or was it Matt Rule, right? And we've been having this conversation, but we've also been blaming Marty Herney for all the bad moves that we've made this offseason. So, in one hand, we cannot continue to give him the benefit of the or the give you know vilify him for moves that we made in the offseason. And then when there is some good moves, we cannot continue to just say, oh, it's Matt Rule that's making the decisions. So it's one or the other. And right now, I am of the mind that this organization is working together in a way that it hasn't before, right? And that is Tepper wants something. There is a vision that they have. Matt Rule agrees on that vision. And then they're relaying that message to Marty Herney. And Marty Herney was making moves to make that happen with his scouting team, right? So when I look at the draft – and I look at the offseason, we're all going to be pissed off about Cam Newton. I don't think there's anybody that's not – I mean, there are going to be people. But I think we can all agree we're not happy with that move and then the, the, the reasoning that was given behind it. However, we also got, uh, we also got Robbie Anderson. We have producing defensive rookies that are actually considered some of the top in the league right now as far as rookies are concerned. And then, and even, you know, outside of that, I mean, even other, other than that. And then you look at last year, Brian Burns is doing well. Um, you look at the fact that we got Matt Paradis on a pretty team-friendly deal last year. And, yes, he didn't do great that last year, but he's not doing bad this year. I mean, there's if you look at the moves that he's made, even in the past couple of years, it's not horrible. And we were, like, if you look at our offseason last year, it was great on paper. It looked good. We we got Bruce Irvin. We got Gerald McCoy. We got Matt Paradis. We got pieces that we thought we needed to set us up for the draft, and it just did not work. Uh, and then this year, we're doing doing looks like we're having some sort of success. And if you cannot give him credit for that, you can't vilify him for any of the moves that he did this offseason either. I, I think you can do both because of how you started it, right? So we're doing this thing where we're doing this back and forth for the past few months. Who's making decisions? Is it Matt Rule? Is it Herney? So it's like, I get what you're saying. You have to be consistent on them. But my thing is this. Are you the have players- to be unbiased is what he's trying to really say. You have to be un- Okay, so let's be unbiased. Is Marty Herney doing anything that can't be replicated with someone new or someone younger i think anybody can you could say that about every person in the nfl you could say that about you know you could say that about cam newton you You could say say that about about christian mccaffrey you could say that about everybody yuck I, i i think more importantly cody i cannot disagree with you more than i think i ever have on this you cannot do both you cannot praise him for the good things and damn him for the bad things. Like you, you can't. Like how? And, how and, and you, just to clarify on that, that, what you mean by you that know? is you cannot tell tell us that he's the reason that Cam We're Newton's horrible. gone, right, and right. then just say he's not, and then say that he is not the reason that we did. Like you can't vilify right. him and then in the same breath not give him credit. Exactly. Yeah. You can vilify him, but also give him credit for the draft at the same time. Uh, yeah. In my and- and and I think the things that that he is good at is hitting on the bigger first round players, and we've said that about him. But it's also not like all the other players and all the other moves that didn't pan out for us, like they just get to be erased too. Like it's one of those things where 
I maintain no one's going to pick him up if 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 he's fired. It's not like Marty Hearn is doing anything for us that couldn't be done by someone else. So, yes, are the draft picks that we drafted so far, are they balling out and playing good? Yes. Does that change my mindset on Marty Herney's future with us? No. What do you I, think I, about who do you what do you think about the Eagles GM? Do you think he's a really good GM? Howie Roseman? Hell yeah. yeah. I think okay. Who was his second round pat draft pick last year? This year or last year? Last year. That had a full game a full season to play. A full well, I don't know. I don't have the That's Eagles. That's what I'm saying is like if you look at history, the first round typically is most successful. You can you can hit and you can actually have. All right, this was their uh, 2018 draft. Was Dallas Godert round? He's two. a he's a tight end. Yep, he's a tight uh, end that's contributed. Avante, but... Avante Maddox, CB, Josh Maddox's. Josh Sweat or Sweet, Matt Pryor, yeah. Jordan Matalata. They went all linemen basically in the end. In that, the that's 20s. Second, sweat, he had that that was a bad pitch, though, because that second rounder, Dallas Goddard, the tight end, he is pretty good. Is he their starter, starting tight end, though? Uh, they, he they was till he got hurt. He was, uh, yeah, he, they do two tight ends, but he I was agree, more productive. Fair, Took them three years. As do not troll, draft a tight end in round one. In the first ever, Oh, yeah. Ever. They drafted ever. him as a troll, 100%. And you know why. Here was – um, They here moved was, up to draft him, by the way. Oh, here. This is going to make it a fun conversation. So, last – 2019, one of those guys was on our team, I think, and we already cut him. Maybe he's still up there. First round, Andre Dillard, who they complain about so much. Even though – yeah, but they cry about him. Miles Sanders, again, hurt, but okay. J.J. Arcega-White said, yeah. wide receiver. Here's the one. I'm pretty sure this guy somehow was on the Panthers, Sharif Miller, defensive end. I'm pretty sure we signed him recently. Miller? Let's see. I'll find out. Yeah, for a hot minute. But, but my yeah, point but is here, he was uh, fourth round. You know, anyway, here is that uh, those drafts aren't like insane. Let's take a let's take a step back and look at our drafts since Marty Herney took over, and who was in the second round of last year? Uh, I can't remember. Panthers. Greg Little, who was starting, who's actually getting praised this year for being a lineman. He was our second round draft pick. Finally. So, but by the way, hold on. That's why that Greg Little thing was so weird to me because even as early as last week. We were, we were shitting on Greg Little, and I could have used Greg Little as an example to say, uh, oh, hey, look what he moved up in the second round to draft. And then, yeah. Will, Greer, and then Will Greer right after that. Christian Miller. Christian Miller, who, set out, who sat out this year. Yeah. Which who I don't know how is, you can do that. that yeah. But, and but then Jordan then the year Scarlett, before that, that's the worst. You can do that because you get paid. Let's, let's go the year before that with DJ Moore and Dante Jackson. Both of them quality starters for our team. I mean, I, I, I personally, I agree. And then now you have this year, you have Matos, you have Chin. And then, I mean, it, I just feel like we're not giving him credit in the draft. I think, yes, he hasn't hit on the seventh and eighth round, fifth round. Not many people do. And, and it's, it's, it's a statistically not a great position. Mm-hmm. I think right now our team has been, as we said, middling. And it's easy to just kind of like, 
say like, oh, it's, this has been shit. But if you compare it to other teams, he's it's quite not honestly bad. not bad. That that's what I've been arguing forever, man. People all the time talking trash about Herney online, and I'm like on Twitter especially. And I'm like, like y'all look, there are a lot of bad picks. You're right, but at least forty percent of the picks he has are pretty good. And I mean, maybe forty to fifty. I mean, he has some pretty good picks. You can point out a whole lot of picks he has that I can't stand at all. And what a horrible pick! But he's really put some good. He's really put some good players on the team. Name one GM. That hits every round every year. Those names not matter all of a sudden just because Derek Brown and Jeremy Chen are good. Like with like we said, there's a list of names of of players, you know, and whether it be in free agency or or in the draft that he's missed on dating back to forever ago. Like you know, it's my thing is this. Just like we had to move on from Ron Rivera and there was that mindset that, oh, well, we can't do any better. Like, that's my mindset uh, with a lot of Panther fans now. They're like, well, he's doing okay in the draft. You might as well stick with him because, well, you never know. We might end up hiring someone worse than it. But I don't think that, that it's impossible to hire someone who is just as good, if not way better, than what Marty Herney is doing. So can right. you name one GM that you know for a fact has done better that you would think we could hire? That's available right now? Yeah, that's available right now. Or actually just any GM at all. Not even it's available. Just if you could sign anybody you wanted to, name one GM that has more success than Marty Harney and, and less failure. And I actually want to compare those two when you when you give me that answer. Sure. John Lynch. Okay. I will look at John Lynch's missing hit. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to play the next call. What you do? What's going on, Panda Podcast? T3. Um, <clears throat> so it's your boy, the Black Cat. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to be more composed because I know it's brother that um, Cody, he's never going to admit when he's wrong. Or he's going to make some excuse, oh, it's this and that. And, yeah, it is early in the season. So, I mean, it is what it is. But all this hatred he was throwing, and it was hatred because he, he obviously didn't watch Teddy Bridgewater throughout his career. Teddy Bridgewater has never, ever had a losing record. The, the, I think the least um, record he had was 8-8. Eight and eight. So Teddy think- Bridgewater was going to give us a chance anyway. Now, obviously, we're just 2-2, two and two, so... I'm not like, yay. I mean, the the offense has looked good. I already knew the offense was going to look good. Has some things to get out. What surprised me more is the defense and the way that it's playing. Jeremy Chen, absolute monster out there. Uh, you know, we've get the thing that's impressed me the most is we're getting production out of those draft picks early. Derrick Brown, the last two games have been a monster, freaking, and and the running. I mean, teams can't just run straight up the gut anymore. Um, you know, like freaking, even Pride has been playing solid for a fifth round pick. You know, like, mm-hmm. and I am so it's happy about that and everything. Now, obviously, like I said, we're two and two. 
I still think we'll probably finish like seven and nine, eight and eight. A lot Damn. of people are like, oh, boo, blah, blah, blah. I'm not for one of those people that says we're going to tank. Like, there's plenty of quarterbacks that's gotten taken that hasn't gotten taken, the number one overall pick and everything like that. Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a bridge quarterback for someone. Or, I know y'all will just flip out on this, but let's say Teddy Bridgewater the next two years uh, is getting us in position to win, putting up career numbers, everything like that. He's only 26 years old. I'm just saying, like, I don't understand what Teddy's you have. Teddy's the quarterback him, of the future. I, I see that you just disappear and you don't answer nobody's tweets and, and all this kind of stuff when, and, and, and you always want to criticize, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, you did, you did throw a pick. Um, bad decision. I, I don't want to, um, sign Kyle Allen to a multi-year deal. No. So, like, here's the thing, is that at the end of the day, is that that's a ifs and buts and whats, but you really think that we're going to be, all of a sudden, that he's going to be putting up career numbers, he's going to be 26 years, is that it, like, and then we're going to be like, oh, Teddy's the answer? That's does, not does, my does, go-to point. That's not my go-to thing here can, in this conversation. Can we, win, can we win a Super Bowl in the next two years with Teddy Bridgewater as our quarterback? Not, not because of him. Not so in spite of him so either. So like okay, it would be, it would be he wouldn't. I don't know how to explain if, it. If, if Is that the true. very best case? He would not get in the way of us winning a, t- a Super Bowl. Then you, ha- then you have to draft a quarterback. All right. Next call. It's probably him. But, yeah, he did throw a pick, so that was a bad decision. But he has looked really good the whole time. Oh, right, Brandon, last he had, he's looked good. He's had he's almost a 70%. He hasn't looked rate. really he's, good. He's been jumping off for a blow up. He picked shots. Sometimes he hits, sometimes he doesn't. Guess what? Guess who has one of the best deep ball completions? Um, you can't say that right when now. he only threw five. Bridgewater, top five. You don't believe it? Go ahead and go your. Russell Wilson throws like five uh, in the first thirty seconds. Of yeah, the game. and then you can you can have an argument. Oh well, he doesn't throw deep that much. Okay, that's fine. This offensive line has been playing their butt off. Um, Robbie Anderson, he's having a career year. Uh, DJ Moore, to me, me personally, has been a little disappointing. Um, I think that I was looking at it as we probably would have two number one receivers and a really good number two. Curtis Samuel, he made some amazing catches that, you know, that he made the drive going and everything games. like that. Awesome. Like, but DJ Moore, uh, we got two more years with you. So you got to show me something. Last year, I got that. That was the stepping stone for you to have a monster year of the year. With all the drops and all that kind of stuff, that's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, like, I just cannot wait to hear Cody. And matter of fact, see this, all of y'all, except for Tony, all of y'all that were just dragging on this team. 
I just can't wait to hear y'all. Peace out. Mm, I got to pass. Ain't nobody dragging on this team. We've again, all been on about Cam, about Teddy, and what he's been. And we, he is who we say he is. That he's a really good game manager quarterback. I don't know what Brandon's man. Brandon just likes to fight. Brandon just likes to feel like the top dog. Again, Joey again. Uh, I can't believe Dan, uh, not Dan Quinn, but uh, Bill O'Brien got fired before Dan Quinn. I mean, usually you don't fire a coach after week four. But kind of figured Dan Quinn, being a defensive coach with that bad of a defense, would go first. But then again, Phil O'Brien's a jackass. He's an idiot. <laughs> like, anyway, I hope this beat writer we have coming on for the Falcons is any good. I hope she can try to make the Falcons sound like a good team because right now they're fail cons in all caps. I make what our winning percentage is in straps in a day. I make 500 straps a day. The Falcons, the only time I make equivalent of their winning percentage is when I don't show up to work, which is never. But they don't show up to play, so. But then again, they'll probably get right against which us. Which is always. 2-14, and, <laughs> and guess who their two wins are going to come against? Us. No. You know how that is. We'll be 14-2. We'll be and two. The Falcons beat two and fourteen. We they only beat us. We only lost to them. We we know how that's gonna go. Or we'll have the same record, and the Falcons will have like three high, uh, draft tickets, like three higher than us. But that's just our luck, okay? There's no reason to dwell to dwell on that because why? Anyway, guys. Wow! 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 <laughs> All right, next call. Hey, look, guys. Uh, uh, this is the man here. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, uh, I'm I'm unsure about this season. I don't know how. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've won two two in a row, but I mean, look at who we played. I mean, they could be three and zero. I mean, I mean, like we said, they've been no preseason, nothing. So I, I don't really know where we're gonna fall. We're falling year. forward, I, bro. I really don't. I, I'm still. That's what we're doing. We're falling forward. I'm still pushing, man. For me, uh, we take a lot. We take an L next week. The Falcons. Nope. I think they bounce back, and they beat us. We getting Dan Quinn fired. That's what we're doing. Five field goal, and then we got then we got to get together and think about shit. You know, I mean, I'm not in there in the coaching room. None of us are, but we're standing outside here looking in. Saying what they should do, but I know, I mean, I know I've coached and I know what it takes to run a football team. And it's hard. It's very hard, especially, hey, if you're a coach, youth football or 
anything, pop foreigner. When you got parents hollering down your neck, then you know. So imagine that times like probably a hundred thousand. You got fans hollering down your neck. Yeah, you get shit right. So I mean, speaking I, I really of don't this, know, uh, speaking of uh, thanks for the call. Speaking of fans hollering down their neck, hold on, I found it. You see, here is Matt Rule. This was a good, the great question. Hated that call. I know a, a great, a great question. I think this was by Justin Hubert, Huber, Huberl, Hubert. He's from WFNZ. This was a tough question. I don't have the question part, but he ultimately said this, is that after the first two weeks, the media, the fan base and the media is ready to put you guys up and put you on the guillotine. You know what I'm saying? And then we get two wins, and all of a sudden, uh, it's like we can see the vision of the future. And he said he was even guilty of this, like the media is guilty of this. And he asked if it was comical. And this is what Matt Rule had to say about fan reactions, ultimately, the C3 Panthers podcast. Oh, no, I don't think I would ever say anyone's comical. I mean, that's, um, I mean, that, that's, that's, you know, that's part of uh, being a fan. That's part of covering the team, right? Is, is talking about what, what might happen, what will happen here. I mean, that, that's part of it. And it's great. You know, I just, I, I obviously am inside the bubble, right? I'm, I'm worried about like, you know, what time are the, what time are the, the guys getting massages today? And are they going to have enough time to get upstairs to practice, to meet, you know, I'm worried about uh, who's banged up from the game yesterday. I, I don't think we want um, a coaching staff that's worried about what people are saying, um, you, you know, because then, then, then we'll just be, we'll be kind of, you know, flying in the wind, you know, um, I'm going to just keep trying every week to, to make sure our team's better every week. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully I have a chance to coach here for a long time and that, you know, in, in a year from now we're better than we are today. Um, and the only way to do that is to make sure that next week we're better than we are today. Right. So I just take each day, one day at a time. Um, but I mean, I, 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 I love fans because they're why we get to do what we do. And I'm a fan of other sports. You know what I mean? Like, so if you're asking me about, um, basketball or soccer or, 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 or baseball, then, you know, then, then I have a hundred opinions, you know, and I'm not in the bubble, but for this thing, I mean, I'm, I have, I'm inside and I don't hear much else until you say, you say that, you know, and, uh, um, I do know that we have a great fan base and they deserve to have a winner and they want to have a winner. So we're just going to try to win every week, you know, try to go one and oh every week. And some weeks we'll do it like we did last week. And, um, hopefully everyone's happy when we do. If someone could ask you a question and then you answered it and then you got to review the transcript of your answer and make any changes that you wanted to and you said, nah, I'm good. It's clean. <laughs> That's the transcript right there. Like, I mean, he basically said all the right shit. It's like, man, fans get that like this and we get the game because of them. We have to just for look inside. We can't worry about that and not because it doesn't matter, but because we got to be worrying about shit that does matter. It was it's so perfect. It's annoying. Yeah. Um, it's hey, wonderful. Bro, Good for him. 
Real quick, I got the list right here. Are y'all uh, are y'all ready oh, to hear this? Is this the John Lynch one? This is the John Lynch versus Herney list. All right. Okay. So I'm going to go through John Lynch's big name picks that I've seen going through all the picks he's had so far. Uh, Nick Bosa, Debo Samuels, Javon Kinlaw, Solomon Thomas, uh, Ruben Foster, uh, CJ Bethard, and Kevin Kittle or George Kittle. Excuse me. Uh, are there any big, are there any awesome. big ones that I'm missing? Yeah, Fred Warner. Fred, Fred Warner. And can we say this that those are pretty damn awesome? Those yeah. are <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I mean, those are those like are ridiculously picks. awesome. Can I can I go? Who's over? the worst name on that list? Kenlaw? <laughs> Probably Ruben Foster, just based on his injury history. Even though he's a great because runner, he got ruined there, by yeah. the internet and the cancel culture, where they got him, no. they got him kicked out because his girlfriend accused him of domestic violence, where she just made it up, and then he lost his job and his life, and then all of that. But okay, can yeah. can I go over what Herney's put on the Carolina Panthers real quick? Sure. Yeah, okay. Okay, Julius Peppers, Will Witherspoon, Jordan Gross, Ricky Manning Jr., Deion Branch, uh, Gamble. Travell Wharton, Thomas Davis, D'Angelo Williams, Richard Marshall, John Beeson, Ryan Khalil, Chris Johnson, Jonathan Stewart, Charles Godfrey, Dan Connor, uh, Jeff Schwartz, Everett Brown, Captain Munderland, Greg Hardy, Cam Newton, Luke Keekley, Josh Norman, DJ Moore, Dante Jackson, Brian Burns, and all the picks he had this year. So I think I, I think that he's I think that 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 it's Herney has like built, a twenty year sample set versus I a think four Herney year sample set. Panthers culture over the last twenty years is what I'm saying. So I mean, you, every success we've had has been by somebody that he's picked. These guys are big name guys that mean a lot to our franchise. Not every success, and I feel like half of those names you mentioned were guys that were of note, but were never gr- like obviously Ooh. not the big names. But a lot of those guys okay. like weren't. Great, great, and then uh, and the jury's still out on, on a lot. Listen, uh, listen. This is the only point that I'm making. Marty Herney is not doing anything for us that cannot be replicated by that. someone else. And like, yeah, he has picked good players. That is literally the one thing that he has done a good job on. But like another thing that uh, GM has to do is pick your doctors. And look how bad Vermillion has been as a doctor for us for the past few years and mismanaging injuries and all this stuff. It, it's They are literally the manager of your whole organization. I want someone who is, who is more competent and confident in that role than her. All right. That's the C3 Panthers podcast. We got to get some ice up picks in. Who you got winning this week, Cody? We haven't uh, done our picks all season, which annoys me. But I think like two weeks. We did the first couple of weeks, I think. But then we got to gave up on the team. I'm, um, <laughs> you did. I'm, I'm I did. You're right. I'm picking Carolina. I think we're. Uh, I think we'll put up thirty or more. Um, I have no reason to pick Atlanta. Yeah, I'll there's only there, one I, reason to pick Atlanta, and that is because you don't believe that they can go over five. I think with a, a prolific game. offense, they have a I, prolific offense that has put up points all season. Yeah, and you're like, oh, they can't be that bad. Well, you know what? The Panthers have given us more good tape, so I'm going Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I'll take Carolina 37, Atlanta 34. 
I'm going to say Carolina 31, Atlanta 28. All right. So we both um, have three points. Two point margin. Let's ice some fools up. Oh, no, Nancy Pelosi. She's up there from before. Uh, oh, that was when she did the Sunday. Yeah, good morning. Anyway. All right. Uh, Ice up segment where we tell someone uh, to toughen up to get it together to get their mind right. Ooh, my ice up pick this week. Actually, you guys got one ready in the hole. I have one. Yeah, and then I, it just fleeted. Yeah, I, I, I got one. Mine's mine's pretty yeah. simple. Um, I'm I'm icing up Colin Cowherd. Um, Ooh, the, the the guy has been um has been a staunch critic of cam newton uh damn near his entire career here in carolina he's the type of guy that whenever cam newton's playing good oh he loves him some cam newton but whenever he's playing bad or more importantly whenever he is hurt oh cam newton's not a good leader oh they're gonna move on from him oh cam newton's not a drop back quarterback blah 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 the other day um i, I think it was yeah, it might have been even uh, today. It was today. Uh, he put out a segment saying that the Patriots would have absolutely beaten the Chiefs if Cam Newton was on the field. Which is and true. That is true yeah. because Hoyer took he Hoyer could be our ice up pick for being so sucky. It's like the yeah, worst and how, thing. And by like the way, Cam just saw, had to give them one touchdown and they would have won that game. And by the way, look how good the Patriots have looked. And then when your starting quarterback goes down, all of a sudden your team looks like at like like it has not not a not a chance in hell. It is shitty though that their defense played the best game of the season for them last night. Oh, they were I mean, they really put it on. Game, you know what I'm saying? The also, defense played well and they hadn't all season. Well, right. How about this, though? If you're a Patriot fan, you probably feel like, all right, well, we lost that game because we didn't have Cam. Apparently, yep. he's, he's asymptomatic, too. He's going to return back. Uh, and, by the way, they play Denver next. Denver is, is he going to play that game? Player. Tell me, do you think he'll play that game, which is next yeah. is Sunday? So, uh, they say as long as he is still asymptomatic and gets two negative tests, they say he will be able to play. Yes, I need him for my fantasy team. All right, yeah, Greg, do you got your – all right, so who you – I say it again for the end. Uh, who you got? <coughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Colin, Colin Coward, I sub. Yeah, I sub Colin Coward. Seriously, I, uh, I'm i the same way. I listen to his show sometimes, but sometimes I can't stand it, dude. That guy's crazy. Uh, I didn't have one coming in tonight, but I can make one up real quick. I would say last Tuesday we had the debate, and it was a debacle. It was like watching two kids argue. So I saw both the uh, the presidential candidates. One okay. of those two guys is going to be our president next. Uh, so how sad! Huh? Hurrah, hurrah! One of those two guys is going to be our president next. So uh, best country I hope you're looking in the world. To it in the future, grow my own crops. You know, like and, uh, m- make sure you can take care of yourself. That's all I'm saying. All right, so. I got you. All right, and so my ice up pick goes to Visa. And I didn't have ice up, but I did, I wrote one down last night. I'm glad. So sometimes I always forget. And I, so I try to jot them down. It's watching Monday Night Football, and Visa is 100 percent. 
taking advantage of the Black Lives Matter and the COVID opportunity to be like, we're this company that's there promoting equality, promoting this and this, Visa, giving you an Bullshit. Y'all are using... I'm not saying that... Uh, first of all, I'm not saying Visa is a terrible company. Like They make my life better because I use it all the time. Right? But I do find it a little opportunistic for you to brand eth- ethicalness. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right <laughs> no. term, but they're branding yeah. it. And it's just like this. Let's talk about people you hate and how we're not them. And let's talk about people you love. Visa. Visa. Branding. 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 No, is your ass is a company that has made the world better, I'm sure, for small companies, small businesses, not business. But y'all making big ass money. Shut up. Taking advantage of this. I don't I, I see it and I look at that and I go, like my wife. My wife looked over at me and she said, Good news. We use MasterCard. <laughs> so screw y'all, Ice Up is like uh I want to hear your voice before, not after. I saw. Good one. All right. Um, that's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. Live here Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. at cat underscore chronicles on Twitter. Picking with the professor drops tomorrow night, as well as um, I'll be scouting the Falcons with Aaron Freeman for Falcfans.com as well. Locked on Falcons. Um, I saw, Cody, another episode of the Cripple Connection was up. You guys were looking at a video, or at least there was one on my YouTube feed. So uh, how can they find you on Twitter and uh, the Cripple Connection itself? Yeah, um, find me on Twitter at Cody Lax, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. You can tell me how much you hate my hot takes about the Panthers. Every Saturday, me and my man Jeffrey do the Cripple Connection podcast on my YouTube channel. Uh, where we talk about the video game industry and everything going on in video games and new consoles and games and stuff coming out. And uh, we try and keep everyone up to date. And uh, that's about it. Oh, and tomorrow, brand new uh, uh, mock draft on drafttech.com with first-round comment for the Panthers, written by yours truly. Go ahead and get it in there, Greg. Tell them how they can fa- find those many podcasts. Those, not oh, many, man. those many, M-A-N-Y podcasts. <laughs> I heard. Uh, you can find me at the Bat Daddy 52 on Twitter. It's my only form of social media, but my DMs are open, and I'm willing to talk to anybody about anything. I like having a good debate about sports or comics or anything of that nature. And then uh, check out the Geek Ultimate Alliance Network. You can find all my shows are on there. Uh, I'm on quite a bit of stuff. So usually about five days a week, you can find me talking about something. Wonderful. All right, Panther fans, you heard it. Two hours and 50 minutes of the latest Panthers talk, opinions, uh, debates. Smash the thumbs up button. Be a part of the show. 252 228 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.